0: Warning: You are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records.
1: But I'd
2: been forgotten, do. I'd been married a long time ago.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A girl with kaleidoscope (laughs) (laughs) eyes. You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I want to be a rock star.
0: Hello, welcome to Broken Records, the, it's not even a new podcast anymore, it's the established sister podcast of Riot Act, the alternative music podcast, uh, the search for the worst record ever made in the history of popular music, just popular music although we've got quite a lot of fairly unpopular music on the list, so I don't know why I'm just saying popular music. My name's Stephen Hill. Hello, how are you? Um, take a deep breath, get ready, get comfortable. This is going to be quite the undertaking. Um, we were going to have a guest with us today, but uh, we we don't. Uh, it's just Renfri Dedman with me, as ever. Hello, Renfri. Hello. This, we should say before we get going, is a show, as I said, looking for the worst album ever made. We have picked the album's in our list, in our hat full of shit, there are still lots of records in the hat full of shit. Although the record we're doing this week has made quite a lot of room in, in that hat because there's quite a lot going on in this record. But all records that we feature on this show are compiled from a list due to their reputation, uh, your suggestion, their fan reaction, critical standing or the context surrounding the record. Or maybe all of those things combined into one massive Godzilla-like blob. Because this week, we are doing Guns N' Roses, the Chinese Democracy, holy shit, the sixth studio album from the Hard Rock Megastars, released on the 23rd of November, 2001, sorry, 2002, sorry, 2003, sorry, 2004, <laughs> sorry, 2005, uh, actually 2006, no, 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 2007 uh 2008 yes 2008 um (laughs) did have release dates for all of those years pretty much didn't it uh before we get into this monolithic absurd and bewildering story uh i'm gonna run down the flop 20 the 20 worst records that we have cultivated on our list so far starting at number 20 with theory of the dead man the of a Dead Man, not The Dead Man. The Truth Is by Theory of a Dead Man. Slick Dogs and Ponies by Louis XIV. The Cosmos Rocks by Queen and Paul Rogers. United Nations of Sound by Richard Ashcroft. Mr. Blobby, the album. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band original soundtrack. Owen Quigg, with the Quigg. Uh, Six Feet Unders Graveyard Classics Volume 2. Blood, Sweat and Towers by The Towers of London. Hard to Swallow by Vanilla Ice. Cut the Crap by The Clash. Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman Philosophy of the World by The Shags Total Zanarchy by Little Zan Blood on the Dance Floors Bad Blood Methods of Mayhems Methods of Mayhem Concerto in True Minor by the True Symphonic Orchestra. Double Wide by Uncle Cracker Presents Crazy Hits by the Crazy Frog and still at number one Broken Side I'm not a fan but the kids like it so here we go then I am stalling a little bit because i'm scared of this album i'm actually scared of this record chinese democracy 23rd of november 2008 that was the date when this record came out finally this is the first time where i genuinely do not know where on earth we start with a record that we are covering on this show where the fuck do we actually put the pin in chinese democracy and go that's where we start
2: i suppose 1994 which is technically when the album did begin you know recording sessions for the album began in 1994 this is an album that took 14 years to create in 1994 at this point in time slash was still in the band matt Sorum, we'll get into that was still in the oh, band yeah. duff mckagan was still in the band you know when the recording process for this album started in theory all of those members were in the band gilby clark had just left
0: Fre- fresh prince of bel-air was still on telly but <laughs> <got it> back <laughs> yeah. on telly now so you know God, yeah has anything yeah. that changed that much um
2: uh, well they began you know, mid- writing sporadically in 1994 that's probably a good place to start isn't it, it is so yeah.
0: yes very quickly in the mid 90s the aftermath of the use your illusion double album set Guns N' Roses, as we discussed on our first ever classic album that we did over on our mm-hmm. Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Riot podcast, if you'd like to go and listen to that. Guns N' Roses were comfortably the biggest rock band on the face of planet Earth. They were massive. Yes. They were absolutely massive. They were Rolling Stones big, U2 big. They were the biggest thing in hard rock. That's not... That's not a hot take, is it? That's just an accepted fact at that point, right? The
2: Use Your Illusion tour was the biggest tour uh, of all time up to that point. I think it has been Mm -hmm. surpassed now, but it was a record-breaking tour. I think it lasted a long, I want to say 19 months, 20 months, something like that. It was just Mm -hmm. massive. And um, pretty much all of those shows were stadium shows, I think. Um, And they just went around the world for a long, long time
0: so yep. let's kind of briefly chart the demise of the original guns and roses or the classic guns and roses if you like so first is izzy stradlin who you already mentioned uh left the tour sight and exhaustion was replaced by gilby clark who played on 1993 spaghetti incident record which you gave me uh on the trade-off, trade-off. Gosh, the yeah. long long forgotten trade-off mm. uh thing that we used to do over on riot act previously quick review for that album it's all right
2: it's a covers album isn't it you know I mean yeah it's it's, it's, it's all fine right. it's up and down it's fine
0: yeah uh, the band as you said started recording and writing songs in 1994 in the aftermath of the spaghetti incident coming out uh, for what would be the official follow up to the Use Your Illusion set uh, Duff McKagan said the band was stoned and in no place to finish songs at that point and Slash complained that the band was now being run as a dictatorship by Axel Rhodes. To give this rumor some credence, Axel actually decided to scrap all of the original material from those original sessions because he didn't like how the band were collaborating with him that'll Mm. do it right that'll make Mm. you sound like a dictator if you go we need to be more collaborative no no not like that (laughs) (laughs) that is that is the antithesis of the very idea of collaboration to go let's just collaborate and see what happens Mm. no 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 no. do what I want when when I said collaborate I meant you do what I want that's not collaboration (laughs) is it mate
2: I think also the the other key thing is the fact that a couple of years beforehand um, Axel had asked the band to sign all of the rights to the name over to him and solely him And, and actually I think that's a very important thing to state yes. at the beginning of this podcast, actually. Um, so uh, Guns N' Roses, the name, the rights, yada yada, was owned by him. And basically he said to the other members of the band, if you don't sign away these rights, I'm not going to go on stage tonight. And that would have provoked a riot, which would have been one of several riots which occurred during that tour. But we don't really have time to go into that. But
0: yes. Unfortun- <laughs> un- unfortunately, we do not. So in 1994, uh, but you're right to say yes, back Rose Roses now. Is- Guns Guns and Roses are now less Guns and Roses and more Rose and the Guns, aren't they? Really? I will
2: be I will be referring to uh, Guns and Roses as Axel and Friends throughout this podcast because mm. you know, really, that is what it is.
0: Axel and Friends always sounds like a sitcom to me.
2: <laughs> well, that's fine with me. I'd love to see. Can <laughs> yeah. you imagine Axel Rose starring in a sitcom? That'd be amazing. He'd be one of the best sitcom yeah. characters ever,
0: and he'd uh, always and be the, late. The fi- and the theme music would be, yeah, it'd be like uh, 8.30 tonight. It's it's uh, excellent, friends. I'm actually going to be starting at 9.45. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the theme music of, you got an angry enemy in me. You got it. I'm a real crazy guy and I hate everyone. And now like, I'm going to. You got an
1: angry enemy in me.
0: Yeah, that hard. was back when he could actually hit the notes that he needs to hit. Um in 1994, Gilby Clark was replaced by Paul Tobias. Don't worry, I'm not going to do every single person who came in and left during the making this record on this podcast. Otherwise, this podcast would be nine hours long. Yeah. So I'll try and keep it to a minimum. Um, but Paul Tobias coming in was a catalyst for Slash leaving the band in 1996, as he claimed he couldn't work with Tobias. Um, Slash, uh, his big his shoes was filled. Um, big shoes, a so big hat to fill, isn't it? Massive uh, was top filled. To fill. Massive top hat to fill was replaced by Robin Fink uh, of Nine Inch Nails. Mm. Uh, in mid 1997, drummer Matt Soran was fired after an argument with Axel, and he was replaced by ex Nine Inch Nails drummer Chris Vrenna, who was then replaced by The Vandals' Josh Freeze, which was weird at the time. I remember this and I was like, Nine Inch- Weird! Josh Freeze from The Vandals? Well, the yeah. guy gets his. Uh, actually, it's Warren Fitzgerald who gets his, his cock out um, on stage with The Vandals, but. Um, but Josh friese was in the Vandals, and the Vandals were just like, well, you you listening? You probably know the Vandals are. They're a summery, sunshiny, punk band, basically. Punk like, band, yeah, yeah,
2: decent one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, Josh friese went on to have this massive career, like being in Circle and stuff like that. But at the time, it was like he's the guy from the Vandals. <laughs> That's a bit of a weird <laughs> one. Blame- I mean, if we're going to go through all the people that are that are a weird choice to work on this record, then that's going to take a long time as well. Um,
0: mm-hmm. And this is about this fucking ninth weirdest person. To be as
2: well. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Probably just worth talking about Paul Tobias super quickly. He was a childhood yep. friend of Axel's. And um, yeah, as you say, um, a, a lot of Guns N' Roses fans absolutely despise Paul Tobias or otherwise known as Paul Huge sometimes. I don't know why he is too soon. As he does. Um, and, uh, Paul
0: Huge or Hughes?
2: Uh, it's H-U-G-E, so I'm just going to go... Huge. That's... That's... That's, that's
0: I, a- porn star name isn't it? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think Paul Hughes is his actual name and he changed it to Paul Tobias probably so that conversations like this would would not happen but uh, right. you know it's out there on the internet um, uh, uh, loads of Guns N' Roses fans absolutely despise this man because he he is um, uh, the primary catalyst or he's the primary person who is blamed for slash being outed from the band um, and mm. Matt Sorum I believe the argument with Matt Sorum was over Paul Hughes as well so Paul Tobias can we please go in portobias can we please start calling me renfrey huge i would really appreciate <laughs> Ren- my self-esteem
0: <laughs> renfrey acceptable <laughs> uh, acceptable size that'll do me in the summer um by 1997 duff mckway Mc- duff mckaygan duff, duff-, duff- quit as well he didn't get pushed he He jumped. He had become a father for the first time and he said Guns had been paying the rent on studios for three years now, from 1994 to 1997, and still did not have a single song. The whole operation was so erratic that it didn't seem to fit with my hopes for parenthood, for stability. And that seems fair enough. But how mad is that that you would quit? You need stability so you would quit the biggest band in the world it's mad isn't it yeah but i mean look i get it but at the same time you go i mean just on the surface level you think oh, i've just become a parent i i mean not that duff mckagan needs money but you would be like i've got a pretty cushy thing here i'm in the biggest band on the face of the earth yeah. going, when we when we release a new record it's going to sell 15 kajillion copies unless mm. we get out in 2008 um uh so i'll just sort of stay in there and make sure i can you know keep myself in nappies and uh and Farley's Rusks but he was like no nah, fuck this too much it
2: makes sense though but I mean like surely he's not talking about stability in a financial sense he's just talking about stability in his life and like yeah. you know renting studios for this point three years and getting absolutely nothing done what a colossal waste of money um, that'll come up a few times
0: um, oh will it bloody hell <laughs> um anyway he was replaced again quite weirdly replaced by former replacements basis tommy stinson so it is now as we get to shit going on properly axel rose josh frees tommy stinson robin fink paul tobias and let us never forget dizzy reed i think dizzy reed must be the most placid and accepting man in the history of the music industry as he is the only other constant in Guns N' Roses (laughs) throughout his entire period. Yeah. Like, what a doormat. What a doormat that guy must be!
2: Yeah, Dizzy Reed has been in uh, Guns N' Roses for twenty-one years, which is an astonishing feat, really. Um, he's just been playing keys for them since uh, Use Your Illusion, and yeah, I just think he's a very placid, very chill bloke.
0: I he imagine. must be. He must be. He must be, be. He yeah. must be the ni- He must be the nicest man. The, the fucking the calmest man, like <laughs> in the in the history of the music industry. <laughs> to just at no point to no at no point to go oh fuck this and also at no point for axel rose to be like you're eating funny you're fired Do you know what i mean <laughs>
1: yeah yeah
0: why are you breathing like that you're fired <laughs> um anyway around this time the the band's a and r man tom zatoot said the band had between 50 and 60 songs to record where did they come from in 1997 they didn't have a single song. Now they've got 60.
2: Apparently, yeah.
0: What's going on there?
2: I have no idea. I anyway. have no idea. There's a lot of things which don't really make sense with this entire story, but yes. Yes.
0: Yeah. Um, the names chucked about for the production chair is quite mental as Absolutely well.
2: Absolutely insane. Yeah.
0: Rick Rubin, Scott Litt, Steve Lillywhite, Mark Bell, who had just worked with Depeche Mode in Bjork. <laughs> like, what? and Moby fucking your mate Moby my mate Moby met
2: him once in a oh no we don't have time for that um yeah Moby god Moby doing yeah. this record Moby be-
0: so Moby Moby said of the project they're writing with a lot of loops and believe it or not they're doing it better than anybody I've heard lately um <laughs> keeping his ear to the ground back then, wasn't he? One of those statements is correct, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're doing it. (laughs) They're doing it. More than I've heard. he, He then pulled out of the record to concentrate on his own solar material, which actually, considering what happened with the play record, which would have been the thing that would have come out around that time, yeah. Yeah. probably quite a wise move because he managed to make a lot of music to sell to um you know uh, s- supermarket and uh car adverts yes which absolutely. is the most important thing um in 1998 they started using youth
1: mm.
0: actual bloody youth from mm. killing joke youth who had just done urban hymns by the verve yeah um worked with you and- too as well Work with you two work with a lot of people uh, he pulled out straight away because he thought Axl Rose wasn't ready to record mm-hmm. saying it was too difficult to penetrate the walls that he has built up um, it's around this time when that came out that there was an interview with Axel Rose who admitted that he'd stopped writing uh, a fair bit during the early 90s because he wasn't enjoying from the he wasn't enjoying the criticism that he was getting from Slash bloody Slash Mean get, didn't he? <laughs> a meanie slashes he's... slagging off Axel mm, Rose's mm, songs. Yeah. Horrible yeah. man. He's the real villain of the piece, isn't he?
2: <laughs> he didn't like the criticism from Slash, Duff McKagan, or his ex fiance, Stephanie Seymour, supposedly.
0: Mm. Production of the record trundled on. Even when Axel wasn't in the studio, he's become a bit of a recluse at this point. Um the band was still in the studio, even when Axel wasn't. And he told engineers to make CDs of the ideas the band came up with, and they ended up with over 1,000 CDs of ideas. 1,000 CDs of ideas of Guns N' Roses songs. Look, it's it's stuff like that where I go, this is hard rock music that Mm. you're making, Mm. and I'm not sure I can think of many bands, if any bands really, when you're talking about thousands of CDs of ideas... I'm not sure. I can think of any band who generally needs to have that many ideas to create a kind of ten, twelve-song, hour, fifteen-long record of hard rock music. Gun- certainly not Guns N' Roses.
2: Even just the process of shifting through thousands of CDs—that's what—that's going to be like twelve hundred hours worth of riffs. I mean, it's just insane. There is, uh, there is, there is little point in doing that. Um, they probably should have just paused, maybe uh stopped paying the fees for the studio, just had a bit of a rest but but no, just just keep them working, keep them going over things, and i 'll listen to them when I get to it kind of thing
0: yeah. it's mad, and if that wasn't Doesn't bad work. enough in nineteen ninety nine remember six years since they 've actually released any material, he abandoned the recording of the the record to make the new lineup record appetite for destruction, yeah which. I don't know if this is a particularly unknown fact about Appetite for Destruction, but that album has already been released, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) You can listen to Appetite for Destruction right now if you want. You could have done back then. You don't need to record an album. You've not done an album for six years.
1: Mm.
0: Write some new music. Don't re-record songs... As if they're going to be better, as if you're going to be like, hey, look, cool. we've m- we've made a better version of Appetite for Destruction than the one that's already available commercially and has sold fifty billion records. Like, what are you doing, mate? I think what he was, are you doing?
2: I think he was taking inspiration from George Lucas, who had just re-released uh, the original Star Wars trilogy and spruced them up with CGI and stuff. And I think that yeah. he was under the impression that with his new band with this new lineup, he could re record Appetite for Destruction, put it out for people and go this version of Guns N' Roses, like you'll forget that Slash and Duff even existed when you hear this version. But um it was never released, was it? Which is uh, no. a colossal waste of everyone's time, money, Absolutely energy.
0: <laughs> massive waste of complete and utter waste of time. I mean, luckily in nineteen ninety nine everyone was like oh, six years between albums, that's a perfectly fine time. No, no, they weren't, were they? They (laughs) No, not at all, not at all. Nobody nobody thought that. Mm. Um, But it is around this time that we start to hear leaks um, and and stories around the campfire, I guess, that this was going to be a kind of more electronic and industrial-feeling record. Yes. Um, Nine Inch Nails, U2, Brian Eno, all touted as potential kind of, sonic signposts and directions for this record um what did you think of that when because now obviously we've heard the record and those things are in there mm-hmm. maybe not quite as much as people thought they were going to be or made out but at the time in 1999 when guns N' roses hadn't released anything or 2000 when guns N' roses hadn't released anything for you know six seven years mm-hmm. and they were guns N' roses and this is the height of new metal and anything kind of you know that, that wasn't that it was rock was very forward thinking at that point and if you were banned from the 80s even if you're a huge man even you know this is a point where even metallica get kind of caught up a little bit in the new metal thing because they're about to go and do some anger and cut mm-hmm. their solos out and and it was all like you know like we must kind of cut off the head of the past and guns and roses were seen as certainly like in, in my friendship group guns and roses were seen as where you know they're just like an old hat kind of old hard rock band in their past and everyone's gone and they're irrelevant now so the idea of them doing a kind of industrial record I thought was hilarious
2: I mean at this point in time I was excited about it but then you know I was like one of the few I was completely obsessed with Guns N' Roses at this point and it was like one of I was one of the few people who was like constantly just looking any little tidbits of news that I could find out about Chinese democracy I was interested in Um, and yeah around this point maybe just a little bit after this point there were little bits and pieces that were beginning to leak here and there i mean we'll get into that in a little bit but it sounded it sounded exciting to me and i think the fact that guns and roses you know it was clear that axel always wanted to be really broad with what they were doing more so than the other guys i, I the impression that was made uh certainly by the press at the time is, you know, another big reason Slash left is he brought a load of songs to the band which were in that kind of hard rock appetite style. And Axel was like, no, don't want to do this, want to do something new. And a lot of those songs became Slash's um, first, I'm going to say solo record, but Slash's Snake Pit, it's five o'clock somewhere, which is a, a perfectly fine hard rock record. But, you know, nothing like super, super exciting. I think Slash... And, and and it's clear, like, the, the the way that Slash has gone in his career, he's continued to mould, you know, drill that hard rock vein. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, you know, with pretty good results, sometimes with fairly mere results. But um, it was obvious that there was a rift, or the media was portraying this rift, that, like, Axel wanted to do things which were new, and Slash was quite content for them to be, you know, old-school Guns N' Roses style. That's certainly how it was portrayed at the time. I was, I, you know, I, I wanted to hear it. I definitely wanted to hear it.
0: Oh, I wanted to hear it. Mm. I wanted to hear it because I was like, that will be hilarious. Mm. Mm. Axel Rose trying to make the fucking downward spiral.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's an interesting one. I mean, but I think the people that he was, you know, he was so rarely seen in public but the times that he was seen in public you know there was once he was seen at a tall show and he was seen at a nine inch nail show and those were exciting bands to me i was like well you, you're looking to the right bands at least i mean whether you're going to be able to do that stuff and recreate it was another matter but it it, it sounded exciting to me but um yeah
0: it's like when mel c turned up at the sick of it all show do you remember that <laughs>
2: I don't remember that no did that really after the Karang, yeah the
0: Kerrang award she went to see sick of it all i was at the show she was side stage watching sick of it all at the garage mel c oh, nice. and then and then when the next spice girls album came out there was not a hint of new york hardcore <laughs> on it which was a bit of a shame i thought yeah yeah um yeah, well. so that was sort of i was like well you know mel c went to see sick of it all and she's not right scratch the surface so just because axel rose is sitting there seeing along the head like a hole doesn't mean he's going to be able to recreate it that's true i I guess they're a completely different band though
2: yeah they they are a completely different band and to be fair like i'm saying that at the time i was excited about it you have to bear in mind that i was you know 14 um and less cynical than i am now and i was probably more excited by just about anything really um Mm. so you know i if if i was presented with this news today i would be very very skeptical but at the time i was yeah i was like brilliant bring it on
0: He'd be going to watch Billie Eilish and, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. little, little Zan. He? Um, <laughs> imagine Axl Rose doing a doing a trap album. Um, <laughs> Geffen, their record label, gave Axl Rose a million dollars in 1999 and said, this is for you getting the album done in 1999, which is a ridiculous thing to do. And then promised to give him another million dollars if they did get it out on time. The deadline he had set was the 1st of march 1999 mm. oh, so close <laughs> so close So just missed that deadline just <laughs>
2: they were trying to incentivize him with, they with were. money now yeah. yes
0: now if someone said to me here's a million pounds to do something mm. and if you do it but if you do it i'll give you another million pounds mm. i would go so I just get the first million, do I? And there you go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you have to do it. All right, well, what happens if I don't do it? Well, you don't get the second million. Okay, but I still get the first million. Whatever happens. <laughs> yeah. Right, so I don't really, unless I'm really, by the way, am I a multi-millionaire rock star? <laughs> yes, you are. So a million dollars to me is, I mean, you've given me a million. I've got loads of them. And <laughs> you're got, saying you're getting, I've got loads of millions. <laughs> I don't think that's a great, incentive no. hey hey mate have a million quid no. oh thanks do you want another million quid yeah i would like to yeah can you get the album out and we'll give it to you if the album comes out on time well i've already got this million now which <laughs> will do me for like a few months so whatever yeah
2: yeah i mean really incentivizing people would be saying we're not going to pay you anything until you do it which did happen later um but you know <laughs> uh, uh, too a different little tact. too late yeah too yeah. little too late i think
0: yeah um by this point apparently in 1999 they'd actually recorded 30 songs mm. um axel rose said they had enough for two albums that's enough for three albums actually mate <laughs> and uh <laughs> i mean if this anything to go by those 30 songs is probably enough for about five albums. (laughs) Um, And there was an announcement of the title of the album, which is going to be 2000 Intentions, which isn't as good, to be honest, is it?
2: No. um, I think... I mean, it would have dated it somewhat as well. Uh, And it would have only worked if it had been released around the year 2000 uh, i think that was sort of the point but you know this yeah. was millennium fever this was you know oh we, we were, loved it we were all scared that our computers were gonna blow up on the 1st of january 2020 you know you remember yeah. remember that time when just mm. yeah great It's good stuff it was good the millennium bug Exciting. that's that's what you should have called
0: it the millennium bug the millennium bugger <laughs> Yes. With so a picture cool. of uh, Paul Huge on the front, <laughs> getting bummed. <laughs> a lot of Guns and Roses fans would like to see that. I think. <laughs> Paul Huge getting the <laughs> Millennium bugger open brackets. Paul Huge getting bummed closed brackets.
2: You see, you see, Axel. Just bring us onto the team, and you'll get some amazing ideas like great
0: this. Great results. Yeah. Uh, Brian May. Um, came in and did a solo for "Catch the song Catcher in the Rye and was then cut out of the album, apparently because Axel wanted it to sound just like the band as they were in that moment. Didn't want any kind of outside influences influencing the pure sound of Guns N' Roses. And that's why so few people are involved with the making of this record.
1: I, <laughs>
2: I-, <laughs> I find it baffling. Like, by that logic, that would mean that when he bought Brian May in to play on the record he was maybe assuming that Brian May was going to be in Guns N' Roses and I don't know if that was ever the idea or the plan so who knows uh, I I, I have no idea I mean to get someone as high profile and prolific and someone who has such a a, a, a recognisable sound as Brian May on your record, record him, and then chuck it away. That's bold, isn't it? Bold move. It's, yeah,
0: bold. I like the way being you are
2: bold. You're being very polite. <laughs> I'm being very polite. Um, it's mad It's stupid. It's insane. It's insane. But hey, there you go. And
1: fairly
0: disrespectful to Brian May.
2: One would have thought so, yeah. I mean, Brian May um,
0: took, took it, it quite well. Took it yeah. well
2: enough. Um, Probably because he
0: heard the album and he went... fucking hell Uh happy to not be involved in that but um yeah anyway um at this point the producer in the production chair was a gentleman called sean bevan who had worked with the band from 1998 to 2000 and it's been claimed that most of the stuff you hear on chinese democracy was actually recorded by sean bevan during his stint in the production chair and the actual Actually, Axel, not actual, axel Axel actually recorded all of his vocals in a week. In a week, Renfrew, for fuck's sake, man. Yeah, that's what some people say. (laughs) I
2: think that is based on the fact that um, there were, I think they were leaked a little bit later than this, but there were recordings from this time that were leaked. um, And uh, they sound not a million miles away from what we finally got at the uh in 2008 so i think that's where those have come from i don't know if that's true or not
0: i don't know either but who knows if he recorded his vocals in a week Uh, i mean what's the fucking hold up
2: yeah i don't know anyway in late
0: 1999 the world got to hear the first guns N' roses song in a long time oh my god from the end of days original soundtrack which is neither the band nor Arnold Schwarzenegger's Finest Hour, <laughs> I, would, I would argue. Uh, it received mixed reviews, but the industrial direction that the rumour mill had threatened seemed fairly accurate in that song. And yeah. I do remember hearing that and going, I can't say I like this, but it is quite industrially sounding. <laughs> so They're not lying.
2: I, I, I think... I mean, I regularly go back to Oh My God now. I still... I, I think... The reason why I like Oh My God so much and and well we'll get on to how I feel about Chinese democracy as well, but it is a very unique sounding song. I will say that much. That kind of industrial it's like, it's like industrial reggae fucking. It's it's bizarre and it is like quite unlike anything you've heard before or since, I would wager. Now whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, I think comes down to uh, individual opinion. But I think it is true that it is quite unlike anything. Would you would you agree with that? That it's
0: unlike anything you've heard before or since. Um, I don't know. I it, again, it's kind of it's weird to put it that way. I think it's weirder than anything I've heard before or since. Okay. Again, is that a good or a bad thing? I'm not really sure. Mm. It's certainly. Um, uh, an, an interesting mix of ideas.
2: <clears throat> yes, they yeah. I think that yeah. is yeah, safe to say.
0: Yeah. So um in late nineteen ninety nine, Sean Bevan left. In his aftermath, Josh Freese did as well, who decided to join a perfect circle. Good for him. Good for him. So did Robin Fink, who went back to night's Good idea, lads. Uh Rose blamed the delays of the album in the year two thousand for the fact that he was getting used to new recording techniques. I mean, I'm sure he's got enough money. Well, I know he's got enough money to pay someone to sort all that out for him.
2: I think he does. But I also think that he is an insane perfectionist. And there's this feeling of like, if he he just wanted to do it himself, I think. Yeah. Right. I mean, just get someone else to
0: do just it, Just get mate. someone else, else to do it. You just got given a million quid for doing nothing. So <laughs> Get someone else to do it. Fink's um, replacement was Buckethead, we'll talk about in a second, and Freeze was replaced by Brian Brain Mantilla. In January 2000, the band's manager said that the album was 99% complete and would be released that year, in the year 2000. Uh, They brought in, (laughs) in in what seems like an attempt to actually stall the record, rather than get it out any quicker than they wanted to, they brought in Roy Thomas Baker, he of the Darkness fame. Only a few episodes back, we spoke about him and he was there to complete the sessions. Uh, he is a man who... as I th- we have think dis- he's mainly known for Queen. <laughs> we should <Yeah>. probably say. <laughs> yeah. But, well, yeah, we, but we spoke about, but him, we on spoke the, the about him on the dinosaur, episode, yeah. if you'd like to... to talk. But a man who, as we have previously discussed, yeah. loves to spend other people's money on loads of... Extraneous, superfluous shit,
1: Mm. doesn't he? So what a kindred spirit of Axel. What a
0: pairing! (laughs) What a pairing! We need to get this album out quickly and cheaply. We've spent loads of money on it, and we need to get it done out now. Let's bring in a man who has spent his entire career spending loads of money and taking fucking ages. (laughs) What the hell? What the hell were they thinking?
2: Let's spend. Let's spend one month multi-tracking a note that's basically the roy thomas yeah. baker approach isn't it which you know yeah. which makes for amazing results in a lot of cases but yeah not not the sort of guy who you hire if you want something done quickly
0: here's a little um example of what happened with roy thomas baker he decided that the drumming of josh Fries that they had was too industrial and ordered mantilla to replicate josh Freese's drum parts completely axel rose agreed uh, again saying he wanted the people who were currently in the band to be on the album um so rose uh had mantilla learn freezes parts note by note he had them transcribed and had them played from a teleprompter before trying to play the songs again but in his style uh he recorded his parts in eight months so you've already got the drum tracks as recorded by someone else mm-hmm. And you go, Do you know, actually, we don't really want those drum tracks, but we want them exactly the same, yeah. But just played by a different person, yeah. But we yeah. want them to be exactly the same. Um, I've got such a headache, and we're
2: not even halfway through.
0: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <pretty> uh, well. <laughs> apparently, the final track features a hybrid of Mantilla and Freeze's drum parts combined together. Now, I cannot believe a man who is so obsessed as Axel Rose is going, no, it has to be the people that are in the album. I want this to reflect the sound of the band. You've got two drummers, neither of whom are in the band anymore. You've got two weird types of tracks put together, a hybrid of both of these drum tracks that you have. And neither of them are in the band anymore. But yet the reason this took so long is because you want it to reflect the people that are in the band. What are you doing?
2: None of it. I mean, none of it makes any sense. And we should, I mean, at some point, we should probably say... I'm sure we're reporting all of the stuff that you know supposedly happened, but I'm sure a lot of it is made up, and a, I'm sure a lot of it is just like we need to find an excuse as to why this isn't happening, and yada yada yada. But it's uh, it's it, it's it's completely mind-boggling. I think Roy Thomas Baker coming in and persuading Axel to re-record the entire record because, as you said before, they had a record, they had two records worth of stuff here. This is probably the biggest disaster for the project. I think this point, because I believe that if the record had been released at this point, even in the state that it was in, which was actually not a million miles away from what we heard in 2008. I mean, it obviously was to Axel, but it wasn't to anyone else, I don't think. I think the perception of the album would be very, very different. I think it's fair to say.
0: Because people were still excited for
2: it at that time. <sighs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, yeah That might. Yeah, this might be the moment where you just go, because it was like, I got. To, I remember it got 98, 99, and you're like, fucking yeah. hell, it's taking ages. And it's like, oh, it's coming out next year. And it's, like, oh, it's coming out next year. And you're like, oh, surely it's going to come out this year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then it was like, do you remember in the years, kind of 2015, 16, oh, it's going to be the Tool album this year. Yes. And so when, yes. When, yes. It, when Fear Inoculum did finally get announced, you were like, it's not coming out people go no, no no it's been announced and i remember going no <laughs> <laughs> like there's the album cover look there's an actual official release date no even
2: even i mean I, I, even as someone who had an insane amount of goodwill towards axl rose at this point in time because i was such a massive fan of what had come before at this point in time i was still totally 100 on board but it was the beginning it was the beginning of the promises that like it's coming out now and then the delays and the delays and the delays and all of these dates that came and went and came and went and came and went where I could feel the goodwill just straining out of me and I was desperate for it not to be drained out of me but it it, it was very much happening and it was very mm. very you know it was very it was- difficult to be a guns and roses fan at this point in time
0: i'm sure it was mm. um robin fink rejoined the band I'm sure that wasn't awkward at all <laughs> um another person who joined the fray was tom zatut who had been fired in all of this and was hired to sort the band out uh, around the kind of 2000 2001 period he had previously worked with guns and roses um and people thought he was one of the few people that were. Would- could get the best out of the band as a kind of manager and as a mentor. Um, He was good at dealing with Axel's weird little flights of fancies, by all accounts. Um, He found out that the band were wasting thousands of dollars a month by using rented gear that they weren't actually using. Mm. Cool. Uh, Mm. He put us up to it and apparently saved the band, and this is to give you an idea of how much money this record must have cost, just from getting rid of the rented gear that the band weren't actually using. It saved them seventy five thousand dollars a month.
1: Mm.
0: Seventy five thousand dollars a month. Just being pissed away mm-hmm. for seven, eight years. Yeah.
2: I know. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> yes but I- I don't know the music industry in the nineties, was fucking <laughs> mental, in the early two. But like uh, stuff like that, you go, yeah, I guess, I guess, streaming did have to happen, didn't yeah. it? Because, <laughs> yeah, look at that!
2: You think it's Axel's fault?
0: Well, I think stuff like I think the fact that people were allowed to do this, you know, I've I've, I've spoken to Head from Corn about the making of Untouchables, Dungeons, yeah. and they had they hired a mansion each. <laughs> yeah, like, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I mean. we we each need our own mansion to record a record. Do you mm. know? Do mm. you actually need that? Um, mm. And you know, there's stories of. I mean, obviously, Michael Jackson albums, the way that they were being recorded, like fucking insane mm. the way mm. that some records are recorded back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I mean, even, excess, when da- you know, it, it, even when we talk about the you know, even when we talk about darkness, which we, you know, we're going kind of five years into the future and there not being as much money as still, you know, it's costing a million quid and. Over a million, it's ridiculous. Uh, by this point, as well, Buckethead had left the band following disagreements with Baker and frustration over the band's lack of progress. Uh, he was persuaded to rejoin by Tom Zutu, who did this by installing. This can't be true. A giant chicken coop in the studio for Buckethead to work in with furniture, straw, chicken wire, and crucially, crucially, you can't record an album without rubber chickens. A load of rubber chickens just <laughs> the, the chicken coop. hanging around the chicken coop.
2: I, I think the chicken coop is the point where I was like, oh, "I'm not sure if this is going to be a good album." <laughs> a lot of people have been saying that for a long time, but I kept the faith. And then when I heard about the chicken coop, I was like, "Oh dear, that's 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 a bit of a, a bit of an issue." Um, he described it as part chicken coop, part horror film, didn't he? uh i he did yeah i think partly because of what ended up happening well you 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 go for it i'm not gonna step ahead (laughs) (laughs) well
0: the coop caused friction by all accounts because it would wouldn't it in the studio (laughs) apparently it smelt like chickens um (laughs) and buckethead upset axel rose because he used to sit in there apparently watching hardcore pornography um, and then one of Axel Rose's dogs went and took a shit in the coop. And Buckethead said he didn't want it to be cleaned up because he liked the smell. After three days, the smell had become overwhelming and the studio staff removed it, which upset Buckethead. I am amazed that we are talking about someone who is not just. This is Axel Rose that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. And not only have you found someone who is more mental than Axel Rose. <laughs> He's comfortably more mental than Axel Rose. Yeah.
2: yeah, it's like Howard Hawks shit, isn't it? Yeah. Um I I mean this is a this is definitely one of those points where I go, is this true? Is that true? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but it's a great story. Let's not let, let's not let the truth get in the way of a great chicken coop in a studio
0: it, story. It's probably the best chicken coop in a studio story. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah yeah it's in my top five we're um, gonna do
0: uh and right actually we're gonna do um top five times a dog shat in a, a <laughs> recording studio and I imagine we'll come back to this
2: top five <laughs> bad smells in a studio
0: when <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh we came as Romans back catalog will be number <laughs> one the sound of their music is the top five bad smells. <laughs> uh <laughs> anyway so in 2002 having waited this long for the album and with the chicken coop in there with all the shit going on with it nearly done brought the man in to <laughs> the troubleshooter roy thomas baker the my obvious thing to do is renfrey to go on tour right <laughs> <laughs> go on tour probably Is the album out? No, no, no. We're just going to go on tour. We've Mm. been working very hard.
1: Yeah.
0: Have you? Yeah, yeah, we have, yeah. (laughs) They played the uh, MTV Music Video Awards in 2002, where a very excitable Jimmy Fallon introduced them, and they played a kind of medley-based three-song set of Welcome to the Jungle, Madagascar, and Paradise City. Axl Rose is out of breath after just a verse of Welcome to the Jungle. And they just look fucking weird. Like, do you know what I mean? They look weird. Fink dressed as some sort of leather daddy. The bassist dressed like he's in a scar band. Buckethead. Dressed as Buckethead. Axl Rose with dreads for fuck's sake. Uh, buckethead
2: for those Ludicrous. who, for the uninitiated, uh, wore a white mask and a KFC bucket on his head.
1: Mm.
0: Normal. Normal, yeah. Yeah, perfectly normal. It just... It was... Not only did they sound quite bad, it just didn't work. Aesthetically, Mm. it's the first time we have seen Guns N' Roses since, you know, the Axl Slash days. Nobody's there, apart from a sort of of out-of-breath Axl Rose looking like... I I don't know, like a a sort of... a white girl from Croydon on a two-week gap year holiday in Jamaica. Do you know what I mean? Like...
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> was this, this was the cornrows era was it <laughs> yeah. yeah
1: yeah
0: and yeah. <laughs> it's just not good it's very I've, quite bad i've I've not seen that
2: mtv footage for a long time i don't recall it being great i have to admit just for uh in this in the name of uh, bbc balance um i went to see them at leeds festival in 2002 and um uh i thought they were absolutely fucking amazing although i should probably point in, in fact I'd probably go as far as to say it's one of the best shows i've ever been to but i should probably also point out that i still had quite a lot of goodwill towards the band at that point but you know buckethead was like i mean we were all like laughing about it and stuff and then when they did eventually come on buckethead was absolutely incredible like the bands were on in amazing form um there was there was one point where they were going to stop the... Sh- Leeds Council were trying to stop the show midway through because they'd obviously come on ridiculously late uh, during November rain and and Axel basically almost caused a riot <laughs> again uh, by saying, oh, they want me to stop the show uh, and do you guys want me to stop the show? It's like, no. So they ended up playing till about two in the morning. Um, but It was amazing, and it was reported as amazing at the time, and there's lots of people who um, would point at that gig as being absolutely incredible, Leeds Festival in 2002.
0: They were replaced by Raging Speed On at Reading, which is the one I went to, so I didn't play Reading, and Reading went, hmm,
1: who shall we get? (laughs) Raging Speed On.
0: Raging Speed On didn't headline Reddin, by the way. No, no. Uh they were put on after the Dillinger Escape plan on the main stage. Um bad luck for them, unfortunately. <laughs> but um but yeah, that was that was weird. Mm. I would have liked to have seen it to be honest. I mean I would like to've seen it more than I would have liked to have seen Raging Speed On for the thirtieth time.
2: Just like this album, I have never seen or heard anything like it before or
0: since. I will
2: I will stop there
1: okay
0: um in August 2002 the band announced that the artwork was ready (laughs) yes (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're all waiting for
2: what I've been waiting for woo
0: (laughs) Reed Dizzy Reed um the world's world's most placid man he wouldn't lie (laughs) he said the album would be out in 2003 and was probably beaten to a bloody pulp by Axel and his millions and said thank you every time he got punched in the face uh (laughs) 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 um the offspring threatened to release and record an album called chinese democracy open brackets you snooze you lose around this period which i thought was hilarious i wish they i wish they'd done it and um axel didn't find it funny and the lawyers were on it before the idea ever got anywhere it ended up being conspiracy of one the Worst mm. Offspring Album. <laughs> Fuck you, all Ooh. you conspiracy of one lovers. No, I'm just saying it. To, uh,
2: yeah, yeah it's, uh, it, it's not the worst, but...
0: but No, yeah. it's it's not. Uh, we're going to speed through a few years at this point, I think. In 2003, IRS was played on the radio by USDJ Eddie Trunk. Mm. Um, the band re-entered the studio to finish the record around this time. Mm. Axl Rose was quoted saying that he wants to make the record as perfect as possible before it was released. And then a release date was mooted for 2004. It didn't happen, mm. obviously. Mm. In 2004, Geffen actually removed to Chinese democracy from its release schedule and pulled all funding for the record. Mm. Oh, 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 he's getting his million pound back, isn't he, David Geffen? He's like, I'll take that back then in a different way. Um, <laughs> we should probably I say... It that's at, fair enough.
2: Well, yeah, I think it's more than fair enough. Um, according to the New York Times article from March 2005, the production cost of the album had reached $13 million at this point, making it probably the most expensive recording never made, um, as they said. Um, I don't know if we do have a total for the entire thing but 13 million 13 million was
0: the last time i'd heard it and yeah any, and i mean you know it would be more than that i, would have oh, I mean it's
2: obviously going to be more than that but
0: but from this point
2: onwards basically axel had to pay for the recording out of his own pocket which you know I mean, let's just assume that he put another two million in because <laughs> he's been paid that two million already. I mean, this is pocket change; it's, it's fine. It'll be all well. Right.
0: There's that New York Times article which stated that this was the most expensive album never made. Um, and the band was spending two hundred fifty thousand pound the dollars, dollars, sorry, two hundred fifty thousand dollars a month
1: to mm-hmm. make
0: the album. I mean, that's fucking four million dollars. Sorry, three million dollars a year.
2: yeah 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 yeah. um but it's fine because the recording sessions would be negated according to rose because it would yield multiple albums
0: yes uh, that's right is it uh, don't worry don't worry it's not just going to be one album we'll release more than one album of course you will. Yeah. Um, in February 2006, the songs Catching a the Ride, there was a time IRS, The Blues and Better were, rele- were leaked online. Uh, in 2006, Axl Rose held some listening parties for the record and a finished version of the record was leaked online. Andy Wallace was brought in around this time to work on the record as well. Every producer ever made had to have a little go on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you listen to it back in 2006, 2006? 2000, um, yep when it leaked
2: yeah 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 yeah, I heard those leaks um, and I think some of them uh, some of the versions of the songs weren't actually as good as the leaks that I'd heard before because they felt a little more kind of pristine and um, mm-hmm. not quite as raw but obviously that's what Axel wanted um, I was really excited by some of the demos I heard and not as excited by some of the other ones I suppose okay. um, but yeah I remember being really excited about Madagascar around this time hmm I can't. I can't remember because uh,
0: the cartoon you like the cartoon, I love right? the film so yeah. much yeah, really yeah. Thought, well, it's probably about that isn't it <laughs> um, the band cancelled their tour for the next year to get the album sorted and the final sessions for the album took place starting in the- January 2007 the band's road manager issued a statement that mixing had begun the album and finally in early 2008 it was rumoured that the record had been handed in to Geffen so at this point they're going to just get it out there right? it's been ages just release it right now right Wrong. <laughs> Geffen and Axl Rose apparently couldn't agree on... And this is just this record to... A, the bow on top of all of this. The marketing <laughs> of the album. For fuck's sake, the whole world <laughs> has been waiting since 1994 for this record. Just stick it in the shops, you mad bastards. Just yeah. stick it on shelves and go, look, how long have you wait? Like, I, I cannot believe that in early 2008 it was it's ready don't worry it's done and it still took them the whole year just to go well how are we going to release this then let's argue about it for 11 months you're mad i know what are you doing i know anyway (laughs) billboard finally announced the official release date for the album on the 9th of october 2008 um saying that it would be released on the 23rd of november that year a few days before the release of the album um, the band streamed the record on their MySpace page. Hello, and it and it was listened to three million times, breaking the record for the amount of streams on a, a MySpace music page. Ever. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's bonkers,
0: nice. isn't it? Yeah. it is. Yeah, and then MySpace vanished by a year later. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: shit um
0: anyway uh in march 2008 dr pepper said they'd give anyone everyone in america a free can of dr pepper if the album was released before the end of the year thus becoming another company that uh, that wasn't guns N roses to waste a shitload of money for absolutely no reason whatsoever um when the album did get announced it was coming out and was officially announced to be coming out their website crashed on the day the album was released because uh loads of people were trying to cash in their coupons mm. and then they went oh it was just a joke oh god um they did end you, up giving you, they, did. they did end yeah, up they giving
2: like, like anyone they had to yeah they actually had to um and there was a oh, i mean there was a huge court thing about that as well There was, <laughs> <I playing> was. <laughs> isn't it insane to think that like axel rose is given a million dollars as an incentive and then it's not released and then uh but when he's told that everyone in america is gonna get a can of dr Pepper, he's like oh right well that's i'd better release it then that's obviously how you incentivize a multi-million, egomaniacal rock star, you just... Give well, you them. say that.
0: Axl Rose said he was going to give his can to Buckethead. Yes. He probably would like a dog shit in it.
2: <laughs> and then slurp from it.
0: <laughs> oh, yes. So, yeah, I mean, apparently it's cost over $13 million to make this record, as we said. That mm. is a lot of money. Mm. Mm. And it's probably cost more than that. But hey, don't worry, it's Guns and Roses. They will recoup that easily. Because <laughs> uh, I'm sure it will sell tens of millions of copies, right? Mm. So there you go. We've done that in an hour. which I thought <laughs> it might be a bit longer.
2: That is probably the most impressive thing we have ever done on Riot Act or Broken Records, or probably in our lives in our miserable <laughs> lives um because the fact that we got the majority i mean there is a lot of stuff that we've received, there's so but much. but you know the fact that we managed to get the story of this record into that that is fucking insane there's a lot going mm. on here
0: there is a lot going on so let's talk about the reviews of the record the album has a score of 68 out of 100 on metacritic Pitchfork gave the record a score of 5.8 saying strangely Chinese democracy comes off, off like the inverse of the record it would likely finish behind on this week's Billboard chart. Kanye West. 808s and heartbreaks one terribly protracted and isolated the other dashed off and intensely personal and yet both feel humanising in proving that even mega celebrities can deal with life altering pain and expectations and still have little to say about it Um, Chuck Klosterman suggested that if it wasn't the greatest album ever released it would be seen as a complete failure chinese democracy needed to be a spectacle something that either validated its torturous birthing process or a hindenburg so horribly panned it would somehow validate rose as a misunderstood genius instead it's simply a prosaic letdown constructed by a revolving cast of misfits ultimately led astray by a control freak with unlimited funding and no clear purpose who remains even more myth than artist rolling stone gave the record four stars and said let's get right to it the first Guns N' Roses album new original song since the first Bush administration is a great audish, audacious unhinged and uncompromising hard rock record in other words it sounds a lot like the Guns N' Roses you know at times it's the clenched fist five that made 1987's Perfect Storm appetite for destruction more often it's the one spooled across the maxed out CDs of 1991's Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 but here compressed into the compulsive single disc of super shed guitars orchestral fanfares hit hip-hop electronics, mechanic tabernacle choirs and Axl Rose's still virile rush siren singing. The Guardian gave it three stars saying again... Chuck Chuck Klosterman thing in 2006 right o'clock Klosterman published a spoof review of Chinese Democracy an album at that stage most observers believe would never see the light of day he had a high old time imagining guest appearances by Johnny Marr and reggaeton covers of Thin Lizzy but also made a serious point about an album that had taken 12 years to make and reputedly cost 30 million dollars there is really only one way for Chinese democracy to avoid an utter and absolute failure it needs to be the greatest rock album ever made that's the problem with spending so much and so long when making an album by default it's monumental folly however good it is it can't conceivably be good enough two years later it's impossible for the music to be heard objectively uncoupled from its background the expense the time the departure of every founding member of Guns N' Roses bar frontman Axel Rose the blogger facing jail for leaking tracks Dr Pepper's offer to give everyone in America a free can if the album's released in 2008 the, bata- the bizarre rotating cast variously included Moby, Brian May basketball star Shaquille O'Neal we didn't even talk oh, about God, and yeah. a guitarist wearing a KFC variety bucket on his head who apparently refused to perform in the studio unless he was inside a specially constructed chicken coop. Listening to them, you're struck by the thought customer may have been wrong. Chinese Democracy is clearly not the greatest rock album ever made, but nor is it an absolute, utter failure. The irony is that for all of this lavishing money and time and technology, it's saved by something as as old-fashioned as a good tune. Um, In a very positive review, the BBC said, At the centre of this... Of all this sits Axel Rose, suddenly big news again and amazingly able to hold up Chinese democracy as at least the equal of the talk of its creators have been bandying about. No, it won't change the world and it doesn't contain any major innovations, but it's still a huge triumph in the face of overwhelming odds. You can breathe again now. Q gave it two stars, saying, by throwing everything at the wall and nailing up the stuff that didn't stick, he's done himself, and more, important, more importantly, what he clearly views as his masterpiece, a grand disservice. Uh, Mojo gave it three uh, at five, saying it that it reveals itself to be an ambitious, brave, and expansive offering in a quite terrible review, um, and an example of why rock fans get so angry about people not being invested in, they, in the music they love, reviewing bands that they love. Kitty Empire of the Observer says, "Aping Led Zeppelin is one thing; aping Nine Inch Nails is quite another." Although Trent Reznor's industrial outfit aren't short of fans, it feels deeply wrong for Axl Rose to be cribbing from a one-trick pony with a computer. Oh. <laughs> That's Trent Reznor, is it? Uh, double Oscar winner, Trent Reznor. Um, it again happens... It happens again and again on Chinese Democracy. A mishmash of portentous digitals in search of purpose. Chinese Democracy will sell well, but like China herself, perhaps it won't rock our way out of the doldrums. Fucking hell. That shit about Nine Inch Nails is mad. Mm. Um... Uh, Here's a good one. Rock biographer Stephen Davis, who wrote a book about Guns N' Roses, yeah, um, um,
2: Watch It Bleed. Watch. It. I've, I've read it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, he did a list of the worst rock albums ever, right? And put Chinese Democracy at number one. Mm. Only a few days after the record came out, saying the horror. It's the worst album ever. I've been in London doing press for the book and they were asking me questions about it and I said I hadn't even heard it yet. So when I got back, I went over to Best Buy in Braintree, Massachusetts and put down my $12.99 like any Guns N' Roses fan. I play the thing and I drive home from Braintree to Milton. I took off my clothes, I got into bed, I pulled the cover over my head and I said, my next book is on Stevie Nicks. It's so depressing. I mean, it's all about control and power and I hardly know what to say. It's so dense and multi-layered. I mean, can you imagine what the pro- tools desktop for chinese democracy looks like i had to fudge the ending when the book came out and the salesman are now very excited about the paperback but said you have to write a new chapter and i just said oh no a great band should be allowed to die with some dignity right it's not guns and roses anymore it's gun and roses it's as much a guns and roses album as there is a real democracy in china let's put it this way it sounds like a rob zombie album from 1995 in 1995 white zombie put out astro creep 2000 Yes. A fucking brilliant record. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. So you have so gone done all that and then gone it sounds like a really great record.
2: I I mean I would also say um I've read um over a dozen, literally over a dozen biographies on Guns and Roses over the years, and mm-hmm. to be honest, his is one of the worst ones I've read. So,
0: yeah, he sounds really reasonable to me. <laughs> yeah. He sounds like a reasonable man. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just after the album came out. I bet he calls all hip hop rap, but with a C at the start. I bet that's what he says. <laughs> I bet he's got the greatest hits of R.E.O. Speedwagon. That bloke <laughs> sounds like an absolute bell end. Mm. Um, he He did, he did more... write
2: a Led Zeppelin book, which is actually very good, though. So, just again, okay. again BBC balance. Yeah.
0: A slightly more reasonable man and one with more reason to be annoyed than anyone as well was uh was Slash, who said of the record, it's a really good record. It's very different from what the original Guns N' Roses sounded like, but it's a great statement by Axel. It's a record that the original Guns N' Roses could never possibly make. And at the same time it shows you just how brilliant Axel is. Um I couldn't find the original review of the in Metal Hammer or any or Kerrang or anything. I did read the Kerrang review uh, and the enemy review was bloated as fuck but i couldn't find them but Kerrang
2: view was two k's wasn't it i think it was alexander milas who did it but i might be misremembering that so apologies if i've got that wrong okay but i I know it was two k's i remember that much in
0: 2018 merlin who was going to be on this podcast but is busy because he's just busy uh wrote a piece how the album had been unfairly maligned and saying here's the truth of the matter take away the circumstances of its creation Mm. (laughs) which we can't do and the context of its release and Chinese democracy slams it's a damn good album fuck it it's a great album an occasion exceptional it's an explosive fantastical multi-layered rock and roll opera but more important than that it's absolutely stacked with great songs it landed at number three on the billboards top 200 number three Hmm. selling 261,000 copies in the second week it dropped down to number 18 now We'll get into the record in a little bit. But personally, I would call that a fucking disaster. Uh, For that amount of money, for that bigger band, that's a disastrous response. That's a terrible, terrible thing to happen.
2: Um, Commercially, it's especially when looking at the numbers, it's very, very difficult to um, spin it in any way. I mean, I'm sure people have tried, but it's very difficult to spin it in any way other than a disaster. I think another thing that I worked out is Use Your Illusion 1 and 2 sold combined 35 million records. Mm-hmm. And I believe Chinese Democracy has sold about a million, like, as uh, of now.
0: Um, it peaked number two in the UK, still not great mm-hmm. under the hullabaloo. Mm-hmm. It's gone platinum in the UK, sold 300,000 copies. Mm-hmm not many within a year it was certified platinum in the us selling over a million copies it has sold around 2.6 million copies worldwide
2: oh it's a 2.6 okay mm. i mean still um 35 million to 2.6 million i mean i appreciate that that is both use Your illusion records as well but i was kind of thinking i mean is that like the biggest I, i'm ignoring spaghetti incident because it's a covers mm-hmm. album Is that the biggest dip between records of new material by the same band ever? There's obviously lots. There's lots of circumstances as to why that is the case. Even if we're just cutting it in half and saying it's, you know, let's say 18 million. Yeah. You know, one of the user illusions. uh, That is probably the biggest. The biggest downfall from that point of view.
0: I'm going to have a quick look because the only other one that I could think of possibly, and this is down to streaming rather than the lack of. Because in 2008, people, you know, were still buying records at that point. It gone it's, so yes, but it gone down a, quite a lot. It, it had gone a fa- it, down a fair it, bit, but C- compared it, to the nineties, it certainly had. Absolutely, um, it's, it's
2: down. It's down to a myriad of factors. I mean, it's down to to loads of factors, really, that, which are you know we could go on about them, but it'd probably take another hour to do that as to like why. Yeah. But yes, but the but the facts. Like looking at the numbers, it's pretty difficult to say that this isn't a commercial disaster because yes I mean there's no way that those sales would have recouped that money in any way shape or form and even I'd be very I was about to say I'd be very surprised if the tour did but then you know Guns N' Roses are like made more money than some countries didn't they? Although that was when Slash and Duff got back in the band so I don't know if that really counts.
0: Um, I'm looking at well yeah it's nowhere near as much uh, because yeah uh, Fear Inoculum's gone gold in the US 10,000 days sold like 2 million in the US so that's the right. only and I just thought just from the, the gap yeah,
1: yeah, it,
0: that would have to be something you consider the only other countries that this album has gone platinum in is Australia New Zealand Finland and Ireland hmm. which are not huge markets for no, I right. mean Australia you know is kind of a, quite a big one but Finland New Zealand Ireland they're not you know we're not talking about France's or Germany's or Spain's or Japan's or you know what I mean That, that, that so you know I would have thought Guns and Roses I would have thought Use Your Illusion or Appetite Destruction has probably gone multiple times platinum in 20, 30 odd countries across the world. Oh, easily. Easily. Yeah. Yeah. And so for it only to go platinum in platinum once in six countries. You know, it's not even gone platinum in Canada, in France or well, whatever I just said. Um, spare a thought for the US <laughs> chain Best Buy who ordered 1.3 million copies of the album on pre release and promised not to return any of them? So, if you happen to go into a Best Buy in, in America and see that they've got, like, you know, uh, a special offer on, you know, pairs, buy one, buy, buy two pairs and get a free copy of Chinese Democracy, still to this day, that's why. Um, but anyway, that's the context. So, now. Remfry, I usually go, what do you think of blah, 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 blah. But if you don't mind, mm. I might start okay. this week. Because yeah. I think people know a little bit about how you feel about it. And you're yes. a big Guns N' Roses fan.
1: I
2: am, yes.
0: Um, the opening track is a legit banger on Chinese Democracy. The uh, That is a great song. I remember hearing this and being like, but, I mean, the title track's amazing. Like, really, really great i loved it when they came back oh yeah they reformed, by the way spoiler um i had one of the most lovely times when they played that song i think it's fucking great
1: mm-hmm.
0: it kicked off a record that i was sitting there going what is this with no idea what it could possibly be and when that kicked in i was like fucking hell this is really really good like really really good
2: was this was this on re-listening to it um uh in the last few days or was this when you when you first heard the record
0: This is when I first heard the record. Okay, yeah. And it has stayed with me because I will put that song on quite a lot. In fact, there's a lot of songs on this record that I will put on a lot. I mean, Better is really good, even though it starts like a Marilyn Manson B-side. It's really good. It's like a sort of proper Guns N' Roses song in it. The chorus just comes bulldozing in. It's a bit jarring when that chorus comes in. It's bloated. It's absurd. The guitar solo is unbelievably over the top. I'm not actually sure that the song has actually aged very well and I think all of those things that they were doing that were recorded in 1999 when they actually came out in 2008 so much of it has dated and so the album already felt dated to me when it came out those kind of bits that you know when they're doing filter <laughs> an orgy and stuff like that I mean Shakta's Revenge is good considering they've nicked a Coal Chamber riff it's really good <laughs> <laughs> I mean, nice. It's not a bad song. It's good. I mean, I like the Wizard of Oz monkey chant bit in it as well. That's good. I actually, again, I, yeah, I like Shackle's Revenge, but I am like, fucking hell, that's a new metal riff.
2: Yeah. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, more or um, less. Yeah. Or you, uh, you could you could see it as a. Oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say this. It, it, it has a dime bag edge to it, just in terms of the like. Um, if you think of like suicide, uh, suicide note part. Too. i'm not saying it's anywhere near as kind of like aggressive or insane as that riff but the whole like very very low um very very low note and then very very high note thing i think Dimebag sort of started that and new metal kind mm-hmm. of like you know, yeah
1: yeah yeah i think you're um yeah
2: i'm not saying it's as, yeah. it's as good i'm just saying <laughs> i'm not saying it's as good i'm just saying i can see the the lineage that's all i'm saying Suicide Note <laughs> Part 2 is a far better riff. I'm yeah, not... Yeah. Don't, we could, we could don't put with, words in my mouth.
0: You could have done that with Chamber Music. You could have brought that up as well. Well, I can see that they're going for a kind of Dimebag Daryl thing. And... That's new metal. That's new metal. I, I, I um, don't
2: disagree. I don't disagree. I'm just...
0: You know, yeah. uh, you know I think there's bits on it um, where I don't really know what they're meant to be doing with each other. Like Street of Dreams, ELO and Meatloaf, sort of looking at each other, going, oh, "Whose song is this?" Um, I think that feels like it would have fit on the Sergeant Pepper's original soundtrack. Um, but <laughs> but but if they chucked forty million dollars worth of stuff at the uh, Sgt. Pepper's original soundtrack, um, I think if the world is really good, it's like if Maroon Five did a song for one hot minute. Um, do we <laughs> we do we need the salsa piano break part again? I do like this song. It's like shit eighties pop music. It's like a sort of slightly heavier Phil Collins. But I don't hate it. It's objectively rubbish, but I don't but I actually quite like it. <laughs> that's one of and the we,
2: that's one of the songs that Moby was talking about when he was talking about um Guns N Roses working with loops and stuff, wasn't it? I'm, I'm sure yeah, there yeah, was I a time was, as
0: well. Been, yeah. Um Uh Heal the World is uh, the next song on the album, so Earth Song. <laughs> There was a time, sorry. There was a time. So there was a time is basically (laughs) Earth song, isn't it? Six minutes and 40 seconds, lots of strings. Fuck off, big guitars. I I mean, it's such an absurd idea that it just might work. It's a big old song, that.
2: It's, 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 mm, I'm, I'm so, I'm, I'm okay. I'm reserving what I'm uh, you, yeah. You, you carry on. Yeah, I mean, Earth song, okay. I, I think Earth song's fucking amazing. So, oh, me yeah. too. I okay, like cool. it. Yeah, cool. no, okay. no,
0: no, I'm okay. not, I'm not shitting on it. I'm just saying it like it's a big, like it is. I think it's, it's bigger. The... I
2: think it's bigger than Earth song, and I think hey, that's a hell on. of a th- uh, in terms of how grand it is and where it goes. It, it, it is, it is bigger than Earth song, and I think that's a hell, <laughs> hell of a thing to pull off.
0: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so... I mean, that, I listened to it, I remember going, this is absurd. It's absurd, but this ha- this album has to be absurd. It's yes. got to be absurd. Yes. Um, but that's kind of where... Uh, that at first that, half of this record,
1: to, uh, I'm like, up.
2: I was, I'm so, sorry, mate. I was just about... At that point, because you haven't mm. said anything... I mean, I think the, the most damning you've been so far is on Street of Dreams, which, by the way, I, I think is insane, but I'll get into that later. Um... Are you six for six so far, or are you five for six, or like where are you I'm at this
0: Probably point? I'm probably on a good day I'm six for six in terms of well, you know what like I'm not sure there's anything on it that's kind of that makes me go,, ah, this is just sort of standard guns and roses oh absolutely, and I'm happy with I'm happy to be in that place, even though I can't say that i'm I adore everything on it, but it's the second half of the records for me where shit goes south mm-hmm. I would say yep. Catcher in the Rye, standard classic rock fair, Scraped fine, like pretty a big sort of bloated hard rock number Riyadh the the Bedouins whatever it's called, I think is
1: Riyadh the Bedouins
0: absolutely nothing song, really average, boring hard rock I mean I would get, that needs to be got rid of I think um, Sorry sort of sounds like Bon Jovi if uh, something John Bon Jovi would do if he'd been, you know, doing the the Young Gun soundtrack, but again listening to Marilyn Manson, and I think that's that's pretty good. You got IRS as a bit more again, sort of country robot. I mean, I'm not that fussed about it. I think it just it sounds like Eric Clapton jamming jamming with Filter, which is a weird it's idea on paper. Insane, yeah it's so <laughs> insane. Right. Um, uh, you got Madagascar, which is a, quite an overblown pompousy ballad which i think is all right and then the martin luther king sample come in it turns into a kind of mid-90s big beat thing but again that sounded quite dated in 2008 i actually think going back to it it's better than i remember it being because i think the first half i just didn't like and the second half i was like fuck me what is this bentley rhythm ace like (laughs) like, what are you doing um and then you got this i love which is a fucking michael ball song michael ball featuring avenge sevenfold like, <laughs> and then prostitute again a bit wet not really the best way to end the most expensive album of all time mm. uh, that's Although, kind of what i f-
2: i do agree with that but the strings at the end of prostitute are are genuinely beautiful uh they they are they're so uh, yeah. gorgeous but 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 i agree the song as a whole not not the way to end the best so you know, the best
0: so kind of the most expensive album of all time song song for song that is i've gone through every song there song for song i think you're looking at a which is very typical of rock albums a really great first half of a a surprising first half where you go well i tell you what fair play to him, i didn't see any of this coming and that's great followed by a pretty kind of hope i mean you know if Axel was pushing for the new stuff and they had to kick slash out I would go, well, you know, there's proof of why Axel was probably right, because the second half is more like the sort of thing typical Guns N' Roses would be known for. Songs like not
2: That Great Catchin' the Rice, Scrapes, Reard and the Bedouins IRS yeah. are, are the closest this album gets to quote unquote typical Guns N' Roses fair, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the first half is just fucking weird. So it's hard to know how to kind of rank it as a record, really. But anyway, really that hard. is broadly what I think about it. Renfrey, go on.
2: That's really interesting because there are a lot of things, that, there's a lot of things that we agree on with this. I think I'm just going to have stronger um, opinions uh, in terms of like how much I... Uh, the highs of this record are spectacular. Absolutely jaw-droppingly spectacular and there are times on this record where you go oh right that's why it took 14 years to make but I think the thing is I think it was really interesting what Chuck Klosterman was saying about it however good it is it will never be good enough and that is like if if we were to sum up Chinese democracy in one line that is probably the reason why it's a broken record it actually, I feel like it could have been the best record ever released and people wouldn't have been happy with it because of the insane uh, the insane story behind it. And also, um, just to repeat Merle's point, and I'm not suggesting that we do this because that's not what we've done in the past with Broken Records, but I do think that if you take away all of the crap, <laughs> basically the first hour of this podcast, and if you just listen to the music... There is some astonishing, astonishing stuff on this record. And there are some pretty, pretty spectacular failures as well. But even when they fail on this record, it's jaw-droppingly... It is a spectacular failure. I mean, it's absolutely, like, jaw-dropping... I think even the even the more standard Guns N' Roses Fair is just is filled with absolutely bonkers bits where you're like, where has this come from? It is a very distinct and unique record for better and for ill. And this is the one one of the few times where I feel like I can use the word unique in the truest sense of the of the word. Chinese democracy sounds like many, many, many different things but nothing quite sounds like Chinese democracy.
0: Yes. <laughs> I mean, for yeah. better or for, for, better for worse. Or worse. And I, yeah, th- I think, I think
2: uh, coming back to it, because it had been a little while since I'd listened to it, all those things about you saying the dated sounds of it and things like that, it's really interesting listening to it at a point where the 90s is cool again. And actually, I think there's an awful lot of decisions that were made... Uh, Some of the decisions that were made for this record, I find absolutely baffling. And I still find them baffling. But some of the decisions that were made in terms of like the way that it's been produced and the way, like there was a huge thing behind the loudness wars around this time. If you recall Death Magnetic coming out and like everything (laughs) being in the red and stuff. And Axel totally avoided like that. And as a result, I think it sounds a bit more, weirdly, I think Chinese democracy sounded more dated on release than it does today in 2021.
0: I think that's that's possibly true. I still think that that's it's only because I mean, hey, like you know, let's take um, a band like uh, I like Trains' last album, which I fucking love that in probably... If you'd have released that in 1999, people would have gone, oh my God, this is so dated. It just Absolutely. sounds like Bauhaus or a killing yeah. joke. And now it doesn't because that thing's cool again. I think, you, yeah, so you have to kind of judge it. If it doesn't sound dated, if it didn't come out at the time that it sounds dated... But it's weird though, This isn't it? Because it was recorded at a time when the stuff they were doing was quite zeitgeisty and then released at a time when it wasn't zeitgeisty and now it's kind of zeitgeisty again. So you have this weird thing where you're like, well, I don't know if that was ever kind of cutting edge. It might have been at some point, but then I even feel that, oh God, when they started like 1999, if they wrote the Rift of Shackler's Revenge in 1999, you know, after hearing fucking I don't know, like the Ultra Spank album. Like, I always shit on Ultra Spank. I don't know why. They're just a really good, like, long forgotten new metal band. But do you know what I mean? Like, that would have had that have come out then, you'd still have gone, look, well, I know what this is. I know where it's come from. Like, as if you're Beck, only only, only that the kind of shit.
2: only the riff though
0: like only the, the riff the yeah the
2: song as a whole, Shackler's revenge is fucking bonkers that song is absolutely mental i, I, I mean i i i i think shackler's revenge is one of the few moments on the record that I could point to and say that does sound like a like it's a little bit dated, but the fact that it goes into that absolutely it's like it starts with that like Mm. absolutely crazy like whammy sort of riff and then it goes into this chorus which is so sing-along and so like and
1: then yeah
2: it's a great chorus uh, 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 incredible chorus and the and yeah the the wizard of oz stuff is is like overall as a song the ridiculously overblown guitar solo which just couldn't like couldn't be played by anyone i mean it sounds like a buckethead solo you know i like it's absolutely mad and i don't think there's anything that's come before or since which just makes me go what the actual i mean it makes me react the same way that i do with frontier records and stuff like that it's just like what the fuck is actually happening here this is just such an insane Ridiculous, all those trills and all that, it's absolutely, it, it, I, I I love the fact that it exists. It's so insane. Is it good? I don't know. <laughs> it, it's so far away from anything, like, all of the elements combined are so the elements individually I can trace back to other things but the elements can comp- I've never heard a song that tries to combine all of those things in one thing and I think that's kind of the madness and the genius of Axl Rose I mean one way or another I think it is clear that we are dealing with a genius with this album but I think I, I think I think sometimes it's a genius that, that like no one's able to say no to kind of thing but at the points where
0: it's 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 donda isn't it uh,
2: i mean donda's not a bad it's, bad it's not a million miles
0: though. away from from donda yeah. i mean i think there's you can see the kernel of you can like, I, I still listen i still cherry pick bits of donda and i go well this is why kanye west is a genius mm. and i think you could take you know you could take um you know, there was a time, uh and go. Well, can you not see how this guy's immensely talented? Like he's a fucking loon bot.
1: Yeah, yeah. he's an
0: absolute loon bag. Yeah, you know he's crazier than a you know a, a shed full of elephants. But yeah, he's he's very fucking talented. He's like insanely brilliantly talented. I... But it doesn't. But it, but it doesn't pop its head out over the pre- the precipice of, just what? You, what you, What is going? What? Sorry. What? Enough. I throughout think, its entire runtime.
2: I think there's a strong argument to say that there was a time might be, objectively the most impressive song that we've covered on Broken Records. In its arrangement, in the way that it builds and builds and builds and just continues to build, and those strings and it sounds so huge. And when Axel's was doing all that, um, uh, I would do anything for you. There was a time, you know, I, it, 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 it is so impressive that song. I, that is yeah. the best for me. That is the best song on the record by. It, it a probably mile. Is the
0: fact that I've called it, you know, Earth Song. I haven't done that to sort of shit on it or anything yeah i think i all i'm what i'm saying is is that you know there's another clinically lunatic genius songwriter who has gone if i take every single sound in the history of mankind and put it on one song can i turn it into can i turn that into a an engaging song and when you've got The talent of Michael Jackson and Axel Rose, then yes, you can. Yeah, 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 yeah. It is, it is very difficult, but but being Um,
2: able to filter that, hmm. to to filter that talent, you know, there are because then
0: you get this I love, which you know is like fucking Andrew Lloyd Webber getting bummed by Nightwish or something like it's (laughs) it's fucking
2: crap. This I love is by far the worst song on this record, in my opinion. But do you know what I'll say for it? Uh, by far the worst song on this record Uh, it's
0: awful it's awful
2: it's bold i'll give it that
0: (laughs) i mean (laughs) at least it's bold. so is um pulling your testicles off (laughs) with a spanner in the playground of a primary school but i don't don't think you should be patted on the back for doing it
2: it, it's the only compliment i'm going to give this i love but 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 it's bold um it, I think I think considering how uh, how singular a record this is and how absolutely batshit insane it is, I think it, what really strikes me about it when I talk with friends and acquaintances and so on and so forth, it is really stunning just how few people have heard this album, and it feels like so many people have an opinion it feels like everyone has an opinion on Chinese democracy and most mm. of the opinions on Chinese democracy are just the ones that are rabbited by whatever review they read at the time and then when you dig a little di- bit deep it's like I mean of course I've not heard it and I think that is a real fucking shame because there's stuff on this record which is absolutely phenomenal and the stuff in terms of like how has this record aged and things like that I think there are when I put it on again it was even better than I remember it being. And I think that is down to it aging quite well in a lot of ways. There are there are moments of this record, there's elements of this record that haven't aged well. But I would say there are more moments that have aged better than I expected them to, rather than moments that have aged badly. I think, and I was really, I was quite surprised at that, because I was a little bit worried about putting it on again, uh, because I thought, oh, maybe this has aged quite badly, and I was really pleasantly surprised to see that that was uh, the exact opposite of my um, experience with it. Like I say, when it does fall down, it does fall down quite spectacularly, but when it gets things right, it is a really inspiring record, which could have only come from one mind and one person. It's as wide-reaching and ambitious as both Use Your Illusion records but in half the time. I think it's probably... I, I think this 70-minute album is actually probably even for, even more wide-reaching and ambitious than both Use Your Illusion albums put together. And they're about two and a half hours put together. And that is insane. And, of you know... Com- it's insane
0: on the surface. But it's actually i mean again we do have to consider the context it's only insane on the surface it's not 14 years in the making insane no for 14 years in the making insane it's not uh in the making it's not insane at all it's the fucking least you should be doing it's it's the absolute like this is the fucking i mean i can't be like going back to this i love I cannot believe, this I love, let's say this I love, we don't know when it was written. Let's say it was written in the session in, say, 1999, right? I cannot believe that over a nine-year period, with all the shit going on and everything happening, they, think, they go, so this, this I love. you want to put this on the record? Yeah, yeah, okay. All right, that's in 1999. I can't believe in 2001 that so, like, whoever didn't come in and go, you sure you want to put this on the record? You sure you want to put this on the record? Yep. Yeah. we'll we'll come back to it in two years and see if you still feel the same do you still you still want in 2003 you still want to put this on the record yep put it on the record like mix it a bit put the fucking put the drums up a bit and turn the bass around make it quandrophonic whatever (laughs) let's re let's re-record that five second guitar solo bit that no one can even hear do that do you reckon that'll change it a bit yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it on the record. 2005, you still want it on? Yep, still want it on the record. You're not going to change it at all. You're just going to put... No, 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 no. Whoa, I might I might, I might, fuck with the cymbal sound a little bit, but I still want it on the record. By 2008, you're still happy to keep that on the record? Yes, I am. You mad cunt. You mad... Like, perfectionist? How's that getting on? And there's a few times where I go, how, how is this... Like, yeah, yeah, you know, it sounds big and it's, like, bombastic and stuff, but you have been working on it for fucking 14 years, mate. You have been working on it for 14 years, and I would expect, like, not even it to be this mad or mental or whatever, but just, I don't know, scraped, like, it's fine.
2: Well, just just before we move on from This I Love, we both agreed that it is the worst song on this album, and yet I think it's better than any song on most of the albums in the top 30 that we have in our league table I, I i think if that song was on most of the albums in our top 30 it would be the best song on those records if that makes sense
0: uh well i'm going to cut straight out of the i'm trying to i'm going past 20 so chamber music yeah, probably super collider yeah probably uh, one more light yeah, yeah. famous first words, yeah razor light yeah puddle of, M- well, yeah. Puddle of mud well puddle mud i mean well, the is, is all the covers. songs songs no. isn't it dirty vegas one enemy streets of sky yeah yeah love beach black flag i mean we get to american life by madonna and i think you know i kind of st- yeah. i kind
2: of stopped there cuz i knew you wouldn't agree although i I'd, I'd still yeah. say that oh my god there is a really amazing song on there is actually mm-hmm. there's one or two but i you know but, but yeah i
0: mean you know like there's a few uh, the things it's bad it is yeah it's bad but it's just kind of bad isn't it it's just sort of boring and bad Um, you know what
2: it's just boring but that is
0: that is the, the 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 truth
2: of this record that is the worst song on it and that is its worst crime it's that 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 one song and it's the only time on this record maybe prostitute as well it's the only time on this record
0: where it's boring i don't know about that no i think scrape but i think when they when when they do the kind of classic guns and roses stuff i am sitting there going can you do a bit more than this because i mean you you have been working this for 14 years and you've proven that you you are just going to go mad i think like weirdly so i don't know where we rank this but i think there's stuff on it where you go that's too much and that's not enough there's sometimes i'm like i want more i want more lunacy and there's sometimes where the lunacy is like I can't handle this much lunacy, and that's the weird kind of seesaw of this record. I, is that yeah, yeah? Well, cont- no, I agree. The shadow of the context mm. is very, very difficult to ignore. And whilst it is. so there's spin summed it up rather well in a blog post that they put live on the day the album was released, and they said the only way the record could have lived up to its legend would have been for it to have never come out at all. That is instead merely, ultimately, a fair to middling rock album is nothing to get mad at. And I think, you know, to call it a fair to middling rock album... I think that's harsh. ...is is, is harsh. I Mm. think that's quite harsh. But I think, ultimately, there are points on it where I go, this just sounds like a sort of Guns N' Roses album. And it's very weirdly. very
2: few and far between though even like let's take I capture think, in the rye which in my opinion is one of the better of those standard guns and roses tracks you know when it goes into that like
1: nah, 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 nah,
2: nah, yeah that is really unexpected and comes out of nowhere and it works really well yeah. like it's oh, awesome. does it work
0: really well i, I think, think, think great. it does i think <laughs> it sounds like the gremlins <laughs>
2: well that's fine with me I like gremlins (laughs) yeah I like Um, gremlins
0: too but I was just like hold on hold on hold on hold on mate hold
1: on I think it's using like,
2: I think it's using that Beatles thing and like making it as big and as extravagant as the Beatles probably wanted to make it at the time, but they didn't mm-hmm. have the recording techniques to do that. It's it's a jollier, happier the day the world went away by Nine Inch Nails. Fuck now. So I, the, I prefer I mean, the day that world went away, but you know, yeah. but it's using the same thing, but to, like doing it in a really like I think it sounds great. You know, scraped, uh, scraped and Reared and the Bedouins are the two that I find i i i don't but i i wouldn't say i mean i'm more of a guns N' roses fan than you are so i'm 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 okay with a couple of songs that just sound like you know fairly standard guns i'm i'm all right with that um and 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 i guess you're you're more inclined to be bored but i wouldn't neither scraped or reared and the bedouins bore me i don't think they're brilliant songs i don't think they're terrible songs either i just think they're a bit meh
0: yeah, exactly, I do, hmm. I think, yeah, yeah. And, and when you go, when you put this on and you've had the first half, you are like, well, hold on, you can't kind of come out and just go, <mumbles> <sighs> look at me, <clears throat> I'm mental, <clears> and then just go, oh, by the way, I am just a normal rock and roll band as well. it's like, oh, come on, you've taken 14 years, and so whilst I agree that this album, on the surface, isn't really broken at all, it's no. weird, it's weird. It's it's weird. The um, singular. It's singular. The result, it's singular. The re- yes, the result is a perfectly good Guns N' Roses record, I think. And probably more than you could expect from a band of their vintage in 2008. But- well...
2: Mm. But I think here's the other thing. You said it was a good Guns N' Roses record. I wouldn't even agree with that. The thing is, it doesn't sound like a Guns N' Roses record. Like uh, The majority of this record does not no. sound like a Guns N' Roses record. And there was a point, one of the things that we had to skip over, I think Tom Zuton at one point suggested to Axel that he release it as a solo a album. Solo, yeah. I think in 2002, something about that, not that it matters. But anyway, he suggested that he do that. And I think that was another point. I think... And again, I am Merlin saying... Merlin made this point in his defensive Yeah, again, but again, uh, you know, if you take the context away, and that's not what we do on here, but just go with me for a second. If, this, if there hadn't have been all this anticipation for it, and there hadn't have been all this, like rigmarole around it like all all the like all the stories the chicken coop stuff the fact that like Guns N' Roses were this massive band and then just became like a bit of a joke to a lot of people more or less overnight if all of that hadn't have happened and this is just I don't know six months previously this was released as an Axl Rose solo record or the next Axl Rose project or anything like that do you really think that it would have got I I it would not have got the negative reviews that it did. I mean, some of them were quite positive, but mm-hmm. the negative reviews I just don't think would have existed. I think a lot of people would have gone, This record is bonkers. But and I think a lot of people, you know, prior to its release might have been like, Axel Rose, what rock's he been living under, you know, and all that sort of thing. But it's the fact that it had the Guns N' Roses name attached to it and people become so impatient with Axel's Diva esque behaviour and all this sort of thing, it was a massive band that they could slag off because you don't get an opportunity to do that very often because there's absolutely no chance whatsoever that you're going to be getting an interview with Axl Rose anyway because he's a recluse who only speaks to members of the press that he wants to speak to, who tend to be his friends who he knows aren't going to fuck him over. Um, mm-hmm. so, if there is absolutely no chance of you getting a review with this band anyway, it's one of the few times that you can slag off something massive without any like really bad repercussions for the publication. I think that's another reason why it got absolutely slagged off and when a record is this unique and 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 bold and different to anything else that i've ever heard before or since i think it's a real shame that so few people heard it really in reality because it is just seen as this kind of bargain basement record now and like if you actually put it on and listen to it it is anything but that and the first the first six songs like you say it's it's an absolute triumph the first six songs on this record that's a good 30 35 minutes of this album which is just fucking it's one of the most ambitious insane things that has ever been put on record
0: do you know what this record reminds me of Of all the things that we reviewed yeah this is like if cory feldman was a could actually write songs
2: do you know what? That's actually not a bad shout. If Corey Feldman could have actually pulled off what he was trying to do on Angelic to the Core, it would I like, I don't think it would have sounded a million miles away from Chinese democracy you know that's an absolutely thing to say but, but before we move on and like um talk about uh, uh talk about ranking and stuff there's two songs that i wanted to talk to you about you kind of mulled over street of dreams a little bit as as one of the ones which i think you said you like street of dreams but you know what did you say about street of dreams
0: i said it's like electric light orchestra and meatloaf kind of awkwardly dancing with each other and it's so kind of over the top that you almost i almost go well that could have fit on the sergeant peppers but it's but it's a well-produced version of something that would have been on that sergeant peppers album um i'm really I so, as a
2: massive elton john fan i'm really surprised that you don't have more time for that song
0: no no, no i i i like the song i okay. just find I, well look listen i love elton john but mm. elton elton john is um elton john is very good at making big grand songs but i'm not sure even he would go quite as um OTT I don't, is this. yeah i don't yeah. think he'd i don't think he'd pull his pants down that far to be honest
2: <laughs> but isn't that spectacular i mean you yes you can kind of you can argue it's too much and there's a lot on this record where i go it's probably a bit much but fuck me i'm <laughs> glad it exists i'm gl- i'm really glad this exists it's it's an exhausting record when you put it on oh, because it's, there's it's so much going on absolutely
0: knackering i listen mm. to it I've listened to it twice. Both times, all the way through, mm. in preparation for this, mm. straight through seventy nine minutes. By the end of Prostitute, I feel like I've run a marathon. It's like it's not it's not the same as Crazy Frog, where I was like, this is like being trapped in a fucking Thai prison or something. Mm. It's like it's not exhausting to the fact that you're like, please just you know euthanize me. But it is exhausting that like you are like, Jesus Christ, I've just been, you know, I feel like I've. Gone for a run in the, on the, on the, on the in the North Pole or something. I'm I feel
2: fucked. I've actually, and I'm as surprised as anyone to say this. I've actually listened to it six times in two days, because um, I when i think of chinese democracy i'm like i really like that album and i think it's underrated and then i put it on i'm like this is a fucking masterpiece with a bunch of stuff which really could have been (laughs) like exorcised or or you know I, i feel like if this had been a 10 or 11 track record i think it would be like one of my favorite albums of the last 20 years I really do because of the sheer Bloody scope hell. and the sheer ambition of it and where, I mean, what it tries to do and the fact that it's trying to do things which other people never have done before. And as a result of that, it fails. But it should fail and fall down so much more than it actually does. Um, I, I, it's And I, so Madagascar was another one that I was going to ask you okay, about. Yeah, I thought you might. I think Madagascar... Madagascar is is such a weird one for me because I hear those horns that come in at the beginning and they sound like they're played on a Casio keyboard. And with all the money that is thrown into this record and stuff like that, I go, why did you make them sound really cheap? That is such... That's one of the weird moments on the record where I go, this sounds really cheap. And surely it must have been an artistic decision because, you know, when it's a iogin or whatever or, or 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 Corey. it's like well this sounds cheap because you didn't have the money to put it together well but it's obviously a choice i'm guessing but by the time that it all gets going and by the time that the martin luther king jr stuff is happening and all that sort of thing and what it builds to i think that song is axl rose's cashmere i like in the way that it in 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 the way that it is building and the strings and i think the lyrics are absolutely amazing forgive them that tear down my soul and bless them that they might grow old and free them so that they may may know that it's never too late and you know this could be axel talking about Critics. It could be talking about the critical response to the album. It could be talking about racial tensions in America. It could be talking about. It could be talking about a whole load of things. But I just think there are so many. All the samples and stuff make you think of lots of different things that this song could be about, and lots of different interpretations. And I don't think it sounds like anything else that's ever been done ever. Like the Apart way, from
0: Bentley Rhythm Ace. <laughs> collapsed lung um <laughs> sounds I, like collapsed lung mate yeah. <laughs> 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 um I, I
2: i just i think it's huge uh I, just one more thing that i will talk. The, the i think the one song that you probably like more than i do that i'm not a big fan of i don't like sorry at all you 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 were all right with sorry weren't you i <laughs> yeah.
0: i think sorry <laughs>
2: is, is not great
0: um yeah, I, I I quite like it. Um, okay. I think it does sound like Bon Jovi, though. Sounds like good Bon Jovi, though. Um, <laughs> <That> and... <laughs> sounds like really stupid Bon Jovi. I mean, there's... Bon Jovi, if, Bon Jovi, if he was like chewing on a toothpick and wearing a leather jacket and being like, <laughs> f- "Fuck off, mum!" Like leather daddy Bon Jovi is what it sounds like. But not sounds like sounds like Gravity Kills covering like. Um, wanted dead or alive
2: but also strangely seductive in a weird way and and yeah. just stuff like i mean I another mean, it, bizarre choice is uh uh axel's um, like the way that he intones the line and i uh, don't want to do it where i think he's doing an arnold schwarzenegger impression um
0: but i'm i'm not sure i have not noticed that i mean uh, one oh, of, i'm so sure there's a funny. lot of things on this album this album that i haven't noticed because there's just too much to notice but you know Yes, I kind of agree with a fair few things that you've said there. I think like saying it's a perfectly fine Guns N' Roses album. What I mean by that is this is not, you know, when when you listen to Appetite for Destruction, you go, okay, like I again, I'm not the world's biggest Guns N' Roses fan, but I can see that Appetite for Destruction is a Pretty much is a perfect record. Mm. When we're talking about objective 10s, Appetite for Destruction is an objective mm. 10. Mm. This is not an objective 10. Oh, God, no. no in no, any, way, not. No, in no, any no. way whatsoever. But it is still. Uh, Guns, there's still stuff when you go like, well, if I go and see Guns N' Roses, there's shit on here that I would like them to play live because Absolutely. it would change, you know. And they did, and they did, and they did, and it was good. Um, they still the regularly context, play
2: Chinese Democracy, Shackles Dreams, yeah. better. Yeah. I think they play Street of Dreams quite a lot. Madagascar is still pretty mm. re- regular, and I think Sorry has played quite a bit as well. So they do play a lot from this.
0: Yeah. But the context, like I say, is just too dominant to ignore. Like, mm. really, I don't know how. No matter for everything you've just said, I still don't know how you square this. I don't think you can. All the money, or the time, or the effort, or the stress, or the nonsense, or the hyperbole, or the infighting, or the rumours, the chip, 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 chip away at your legacy for this record for a song like this. I love, nah the I way it's a fucking mess
2: the way i and... square it is is there was a time <laughs> um and also the further i get away the from this album being released i think the more that stuff floats into the background and I kind of forget it and going back to it and being knowing that I liked it and being surprised that I liked it as much as I did I didn't you know I, I didn't sit down and listen to this record six times in two days because I was like oh I need to get every nuance and stuff I did it because I was fucking loving it like okay
0: that's fine I, I but I still it. but I still think that but you know like I said the, the context for that I think it's it's so it's messy enough. This record that I think you were always this record was always going to be damage limitation. Uh, yes, absolutely, absolutely, always going to be damage limitation. And I think the record overall is decent. And when it's good, it's really fucking good. It's nearly as good as the best bits of One Hot Minute by the Red Hot Chili Peppers, and that <laughs> is quite, <laughs> quite, quite the statement from me. Um but again, you know, that's the one, isn't it? Because if the Chili Peppers aren't playing to their strengths on that record, I mean, Guns N' Roses certainly aren't playing to their strengths on this record doing, like, new metal and stuff and trying to turn into an industrial band. And there are points where I go, I mean, dude, you're kind of, you're either, there's a weird thing with this record where you're either overstretching yourself just a little bit too much at points or... You're just doing something where I go. Well, I know you can do this. It's taken you 14 years. You're going to put this out in 1995. <laughs> so, I think there's a weird. It's a weird balancing act with this record. Having said that, I do like it mm. overall. If someone said to me, you know, yes or no, do you like Chinese democracy? I would say yes,
1: I do.
2: Yeah, yeah. I, I, and I, and I do genuinely think that the longer time goes on, I think they're. I think there's already beginning to be... I mean, Mills is just the start. I think there's going to be loads of reappraisals of this record and re- reappraisals um, further mm. down the line and articles and so on and so forth. Probably as, you know, once Guns actually gear up and release another record, there'll probably be a bunch then when people throw stuff out and go, actually, if you go back to that album, away from all that 14-year wait and all the Dr. Pepper stuff and the Chicken Coop stuff there is a lot of incredible material on it and i think also if people are going to fail i'd rather they fail on an absolutely grand scale and even the failures on this record like uh, do you think there's anything embarrassing on this record because i don't think anything's embarrassing on this record because everything is done with so much ambition that i'm like well fair play to you you don't always get it right but I, I, there's nothing at all that I, I think there's more embarrassing things in you know the performances from around sort of 2004 to 2008, blah blah blah, and all that kind of thing. The performances of Axel on stage, but on the record itself, anything embarrassing?
0: Um, I mean, I would go say this: I love. I think is is like oh, it's so schmaltzy that I am like, oh fuck off. Okay, embarrassing is a harsh word. Uh, yeah, probably not really. Nothing embarrassing, yeah. but. Um, but anyway, before we go to rank it, we should just kind of do the aftermath. So with that failure, much like Green Day, Guns and Roses were never heard from again. <laughs> nah, uh, obviously not. In 2009, Axel Rose gave his first official interview for a long, long time to Billboard, uh, where he said, Of Slash, what's clear is that one of the two of us will die before a reunion. And however sad, ugly or unfortunate anyone views it, it is how it is. Those decisions were made a long time ago and reiterated Year after year by one man, bloody slash, what a bastard. Um, Robin Fink left the band and he was replaced by DJ Ashbar, who I interviewed a couple of times, and he's lovely. Is he? That's- lovely, I tell you. A lovely man. Yeah uh he's not in the band anymore no. there was loads of drama again we're going to kind of brush through a lot of this there's loads mm-hmm. of drama with managers who were hired and fired and hired again lawsuits that were brought around the headline reading in 2010 which has gone down in history as one of the worst festival shows ever with them mm-hmm. turning up an hour late they got stopped thanks to an early curfew they were terrible people were leaving their droves furious um they also went off stage after four songs in september 2010 when they played in dublin because people threw a Throwing a bottle on the stage, and Axel said, "Stop that!" And someone threw a bottle, and he walked off. Fucking cunt. Um, Duff McKagan did turn up on stage with the band to play a few songs at the O2 in 2010. Yep. December 2011, the band renounced announced uh, as inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Axel refused to turn up to the ceremony, refused entry to the Hall of Fame, and called it a complicated and awkward situation. There was, um, I don't know if you want to go, back into that too much more. I, just, I, <sighs> I know. know. There's a bunch of other stuff, but really. It's the events of the 29th of December 2015 that we should get to. For whatever reason, that was the day that, as close to the original Guns N' Roses that we probably ever will see, yeah. got back together, and they have been together ever since. The live shows they've done, as I've discussed various times, I think have been excellent.
2: Yeah, stunning.
0: You know, I saw them at the Olympic Stadium mm-hmm. in London yeah. in 2017, Same. I want to say. Yeah, I saw both And nights. I wasn't really expecting that much from them and i thought they were absolutely fucking amazing they were very very good good at download as well
2: i believe you have Mm -hmm. said that they um it was the best stadium show you've ever seen it was
0: until i saw ramstein yeah it was oh fair enough yeah yeah Yeah, it's not anymore uh ramstein has usurped that ramstein at milton Keynes. i think fair fair enough though yeah um But I would say it's the second best stadium show I'd, I've seen.
2: I absolutely. I mean, it's the one that I've had the most fun at by a mm. fucking mile.
0: Yeah. Mm. Um, and you know they've released a few live songs. Uh, live songs. They've released a few songs as well um i still quite like that song insane the shitty punk one it's kind of funny still find that quite funny that song uh it's and then called they absurd did... isn't it absurd, absurd not insane mm. um and then they did another one which i can't remember what it's called which is but a bit more of a standard guns and roses thing which i didn't really think that much of personally okay uh your thoughts on that other one uh, i don't think i've heard it actually oh, bloody hell. i think i was so, so
2: there you go. <laughs> i was so so pained by absurd but um yeah i'll check it out after this
0: so there you go guns and roses are back um we're kind of this has sort of been they've i guess this would be a thing you know when we talk about bands having you know the potential ruining of career and stuff i wouldn't say chinese democracy ruined their career but it's funny how you know axel eventually had to do the thing that he said he was never going to do if this had been a big big success which it clearly wasn't and the live shows weren't i do wonder if that would have happened um Probably not, I would imagine. But where the fuck do we rank this fucking record? I said to you before we started, I'm tempted to put it at number one and at number 56 because (laughs) I don't really know how on earth you square this as a record. I mean, everything you said about the ambition of the record is true. Everything you said about the kind of uniqueness of the record is true. Everything you said about the high points being really high is true as well but so much surrounding it is a disaster so much surrounding it is just <laughs> ridiculous and absurd and stupid and pointless and has led that has like i said has chipped 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 away at what people think of when they think of Guns N' Roses the lunacy the, the folly of this record is unlike pretty much any other record that has ever been made in the history of music and we do have to take that into account, we have to we've done it with everything else, so we have to with this as well um, but that doesn't make it any easier. No, that, to,
2: that makes it harder that, makes, that it, makes
0: it much harder.
2: Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say right now if like i think i jokingly was like this is going to be you know number 56 out of 56 on the um on the league table i think um when i actually sat down and listened to it i was like well i can see absolutely no way that it can't be 56 out of 56 because of the ridiculous (laughs) high points on the album there isn't a single song there isn't a single song on one hot minute which gets anywhere close to the, the ambition no, of there there's, time there's, or anything like that. Well,
0: okay, but they're better songs. I think there's at least five or six better songs on One Hot Minute than there are on this, than the best of this.
2: I i I mean yeah, there's also P and there's nothing as disastrous on this record as P. It's
0: ninety seconds <laughs> of that record, like
2: there's there's a lot more beguiling decisions like there's beguiling decisions made on this record but there's far more beguiling decisions made on on one hot minute i think there's a lot more times yeah. when they shoot themselves in the foot and you go you, you, you there's a brilliant 4 minute It took song, him 2 years to make it though but but the the but in terms of like the time that that does that's only relevant to the time that the record was being made that becomes less relevant as time goes on like I, I I genuinely feel like this album is ageing incredibly well because all of that stuff just isn't relevant anymore. We're not waiting. You know, we're not waiting. I think the next Guns N' Roses record is obviously going to have a far better response than this one because we aren't mm-hmm. waiting for it in the same way that people were before. When th- When they started making Chinese Democracy, they were still an absolutely ginormous band who people actually really really cared about and really cared about new material and I think now even with Slash and Duff back in the bands and all that sort of thing I don't think this clamour for new material is particularly high with Guns and Roses like it's going to happen no. at some point but I don't think there's nowhere near like people aren't excited about it in the way that they got ridiculously overhyped and excited about Chinese democracy and even I mean
0: yeah and that's because Chinese democracy has come out Hardly sold anything. The wait was that long. Guns N' Roses, arguably due to due to Chinese democracy and the reaction to it and the absurdity that that surrounds everything to do with Chinese democracy has turned Guns N' Roses from a relevant recording band into... The nostalgia circuit
2: i think they turned into uh an irrelevant recording band way before chinese democracy came out i don't think it was chinese. yes so do I. I don't think it was chinese i but that's that's my point i don't think it was this album and the results of this album that made that i think it was people being impatient with the rock star behavior that was happening well i mean i think it was around 2002 2003 that I think the goodwill for Guns N' Roses started to dry up for most people. I remember Kerrang! Uh, uh, still being really excited about that they had a, like, you know, top records coming out next year in a yeah, 1999 issue, mm-hmm. and, like, you know, they was, it was called 2000 Tensions at that point, but, like, people were still really excited about it. Chinese Democracy started becoming a joke around, I'd say, 2003, because I think that two thousand those 2002 performances did... Make people go, holy fuck, you know, that was absolutely incredible. And the people who saw it, you know, so I reckon 2003 2004 it became a joke, but not because of the content of the record
0: that, no, that happened no, but way, context, way before context over content. I mean, again, Fair just no. to say to Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, One Hot Minute has sold nearly four million copies worldwide, which is nearly twice as many as this, and it obviously didn't cost. Over $13 million to make and take them 14 years. And, you that know, was, and, and, that arguably, was at a time
2: when people were still buying records? I mean, 1996 mm-hmm. to 2008, that's, that's a uh, gigantic. I mean, Red Hot Chili Peppers have just released a new, uh, announced a new album and, you know, it's not going to be out for a few months, but, um, that, it's not going to sell Even if it's a massive hit, it won't sell anywhere near 4 million copies because of the time no, been.
0: I don't, of course it won't sell as, as many as 4 million copies, but it might sell, uh, well, it won't sell. It. it would probably sell a million. I would have thought. But I mean, even if you go back to, let's have a look at the the sales for. Oh god, they've got, they've got so many bad albums. The fucking Red Hot Chili Peppers, don't they? Live at Hyde Park that came out in two thousand four. Stadium Arcadium came out in two thousand six, um, and I mean, I don't. This is irrelevant because really, because this is certifications and sales. I mean, that's sold. That's gone four times platinum in America, mm. two million copies in Europe as well. So. You know, I guess what I'm saying is, is that one hot minute cost less, uh, destabilized them less Mm. and was more profitable and didn't really affect their career in the same way. I don't think as Chinese democracy, which was just this prolonged period of when Guns N' Roses started recording Chinese democracy. Yes, people were very very they were the biggest rock band in the world five years later people were excited by the idea of a new guns and roses album lots of people were even though the world had kind of moved on in a lot of ways by 2004 you have still got four years before the album comes out and it's already kind of a joke and at that point you're like well you this has become like this fucking bizarre albatross of a record and there's no other record on this entire list that we're talking about that is such an albatross around the neck mm, of definitely. a band.
2: It's definitely true.
0: There is no other record that, because, you know, th- th- this isn't just the record, is it? It's not just the record. Mm. It, it is the albatross around the neck of Guns N' Roses and it has, you know, I will never go back to Slash. I will never go back to Duff. I will never, we'll ne- you'll never see the original Guns N' Roses. Oh, well, you do now and you kind of sort yourself out and, you know Axl Rose had to do whatever Axl Rose had to do to get this record made and you could go well you know hey the proof's in the pudding the record's come out and it's great but I don't know man if you go to a restaurant and you order a dessert and you get a brownie you get a lovely brownie lovely ooh lovely brownie clotted cream but the sauce is not that's a weird choice them to put an apple sauce on that and it's 35 quid for a brownie (laughs) why have they put apple sauce on it do you know what I mean oh it's a really expensive restaurant but you go to another restaurant you pay a fiver for a brownie and it's not as good it's not quite as good but you go that was a nice brownie Not normal vanilla ice cream bit of squirty like mm. chocolate sauce over top that's nice Mm nice
2: I think it's more like I mean it's more like having a type of brownie that you've never ever had before though and that has never been made. Well, before, or half of a since.
0: half of a brownie that you've never had before. Because let's be honest, the second half of this record is I, like I I don't think I mean look, there are bits on this record the whole kind of I never heard it before. Like you've heard every single element present on this record. You've probably just never heard it combined in such a mad way. And that doesn't necessarily you know like oh I've I've stuck a sausage in your um in your trifle, <laughs> oh I've never had that before <laughs> like it doesn't necessarily make it good but, but I then
2: think, I think it's surprising how often the different combinations do work like it's, i agree it's I really agree. surprising
0: I, it is, but then the second half of the record is is pretty pretty standard there's not you know i mean you can bring up you know you you brought up um Madagascar,
1: yeah
2: i think madagascar and is the highlight of the second half of the record definitely
0: i think the second half of madagascar is the second half of the highlight of the, se- the, the mm, highlight mm, of the second mm, half of the record, mm. um and i think that bit is really good but i mean <laughs> you know it does sound like Bentley Rhythm Ace. Well, like, let's you know look I mean it some... does sound like a nineties.
2: Well let's look at some a... of these other ones below one hot minute, because that's going to be the hard one, isn't it? I mean, metal mm. machine music is basically there because it did what it set out to do. Now this record mm-hmm. did I mean. And I don't has inspired
0: know an entire genre uh, in its aftermath as mm. well. The inspiration of an entire genre, much of which is are things that we have reviewed and enjoyed on this podcast. And so for it hasn't even if you don't like metal machine music you probably do quite you you at least admire some stuff that's like i can't pretend like i'm a massive sun fan as discussed but i admire what sun have done in their career and i'm not sure they you can trace them back to metal machine music and i think that's why it's there
2: yeah yeah fair enough and there's
0: nothing you can't trace you go not like tra- trace anything for, and then it's cool like because Chinese democracy exists completely in its own universe and that's cool
2: I don't think anyone could recreate this if, if they even tried to um, you know I mean I, I don't think anyone could recreate this overblown I, I mean it is overblown and there's times where it's really pompous this record but I'm just so in admiration for how much that how much it's been pushed and how far it's been pushed it it, it really is an incredibly it, it it's an incredible musical statement and and the fact that it's just ignored as much as it is and just this assumption that like there's nothing that's worth listening to on this record which is i think it's just insane like yeah that's mad. mad um i mean neil young and the shocking Pictures is there because it's like the best troll ever from an artist mm-hmm. to a I find it really difficult. I mean, Lou Reed and Metallica with Lulu sort of seems like a bit of an insane position to put it at 53. But, like, that's another massive band that has this record which has a really bad reputation which probably isn't, well, certainly isn't as bad as a lot of people just assume or think it is. That's probably another album that, like, a lot of the people who say they've heard it have probably actually only heard the single or something like that I and the just table. eye on the table and blah 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 this is a better record than lulu because mm. lulu gets really is ponderous it? and boring and over long and I, I mean this record this record is too long as well but i there are times where I there think are times lulu where lulu's is a real struggle
0: sh- yeah but i think like lulu is trying to be a struggle I think Lulu is even more unique than Chinese democracy.
2: I wouldn't say that.
0: I think it is. I think it's a very, very odd, uh, incredibly odd, incredibly... Like, this record is... Although it's kind of odd, weird sound, you go, huh... It's not really ch- you know i don't find this album particularly challenging i just find it quite exhausting and there's a lot being chucked at it there's nothing that when you look at it and you go fucking hell i don't you got to kind of work this this is like a puzzle that can't be worked out they're ultimately like L- lulu's undoubtedly- bombastic rock songs aren't they
2: it's more challenging than than chinese democracy but if if i task someone with recreating lulu or recreating chinese democracy They'd be able, any, any musician would be able to recreate Lulu relatively easily, <laughs> whereas Chinese Democracy... That doesn't
0: m- mean anything to me
2: Well, it means a lot to the musicians who would be trying to recreate it, and in terms I, of like I a singular vision, yeah, and in it's terms of completely like completely irrelevant to but, like but, whether or not it's good but this, is, but this is something that like, no one else could have made this album, apart from Axl Rose, again, for better or for worse mm. Um Whereas Lulu, I, I think, could be easily recreated. To be honest, it's like it's I mean, not... so could the
0: first Ramones album, but it's still better than every single record on this entire list. Mm,
2: yeah, yeah, well, mm.
0: yeah. I, like, I, I'm not. I'm you know, I'm not going to just go. Hey, <laughs> no one else could have done it. So you know, I'm sure there's somebody. I'm sure there's somebody who's never like the, the fucking. I'm sure there's somebody out there like the Shags. People try and fucking recreate the Shags, and they can't. Because it's just so fucking weird. Mm. Is it good? Is it good? And yes, this album it's is good. often is often good. Yeah. It's often good, mm. but it's often just a, a fucking. It's just bewildering, rather mm. than or you know what I mean, I'm, I'm bloated and exhausting and kind of and not in a and not in a kind of artsy challenging way in the same way as Lulu is. Where you go, I feel like I'm not getting this. There's nothing on this where I go, like, oh, I don't get it. I just think, well, this is a bad idea. Or this is like, all right, you've made your point. Do you know what I mean? Or mm. you've gone too far. You know, like, No wonder this sounds like this because it's taken you fucking 14 years of dicking around with it. And you're just dicking around with it. Dicking around, dicking around, dicking around with it. I mean, loads of over egg in the around. pudding. Yeah, loads yeah, of it. Over egg in the pudding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And if you, definitely. if if you, you know, if you, you, you could say like, I mean, if you gave, if you gave a lot of musicians fourteen years and said, go away and dick around your music so much that no one else can recreate it, I'm sure lots of them would be able to. It wouldn't necessarily result in a good record. Mm. And and I'm coming from this a place where I'm saying I think this is a pretty mm, good mm, record. Yeah, I just feel like the context is this fucking shadow that completely engulfs and envelops this record to the point where i know you're saying like oh the context goes away well i'm sorry i'm not letting it go away because it hasn't been allowed to go away for anyone else so it's not allowed to go away for guns and Roses either no no no
2: you're right you're right
0: um and the the thing of being like okay it's not mental enough or it's too mental like i i i kind of again like it it reminds me of cory feldman it reminds me a bit of Lulu. It reminds me a bit of the White Album by the Beatles. Like you know what I said about the Beatles, I'm like sometimes it's shit, but mm. it's still great. Mm.
1: Mm.
0: And I think Chinese Democracy's got a bit of that. Sometimes it's yes. shit, but it's still but it's still great. Yes. Um
2: absolutely. I'd agree with that.
0: I mean, I don't really have a problem with putting it really. I don't really have a problem with putting it below one-way ticket to hell and back by the darkness because I think The Highs, I think that that's an easier record to enjoy, one way Ticket to Hell and Back by The Darkness. I think it's an easier record to enjoy. And I think people who like The Darkness and who like Guns N' Roses would probably have just a nicer time in general listening to The Darkness because I think those songs on that album are super instantaneous, kind of weird and a bit funny, but super instantaneous, loads of massive choruses. It's not a challenge. To listen to that record, it's nice, it's not a challenge, it's tap foot, tappy-tappy foot along. You know, this record is often not that fun to listen to. It's just a bit like, oh my God, what's going on? And a bit like, oh, mate, you're, you've, you've, you've killed my enthusiasm for this song by just adding layers and layers and layers and layers and layers and going on and on and on and on. And it's only a bloody fucking rock song. It's only a fucking Guns N' Roses song at the end of it anyway like ultimately distilled down to what this is you know something like irs it's only a bloody guns and roses song that's all it is (laughs) or like you know you just go this doesn't need all of that stuff scrape does not need i mean it doesn't need to be on the record we in the boo in the boot it doesn't need to be whatever it's called
2: reared and the bedouins i think reared and the
0: bedouins yeah is does not need all that stuff and ultimately when you if you take all that stuff away that you spent 14 fucking years putting on it it's just a. It's just a, a not that great Guns N' Roses song, mm. ultimately. Mm.
1: Mm.
0: But when Axel gets it right, a bit like when Kanye gets it right on Donda, you go, "Yeah, God, this is really, really fucking good. This would be the best EP. This would be the best six song EP ever. Better than burnt, <laughs> Better than burnt by the Sun. Oh no no no! <laughs> no, sorry, I've gone too far. Um. But I don't know, but I mean, I really, 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 really genuinely am at a loss. Because on one hand, I think it should go just above Mr. Blobby, or United, or <laughs> the United Nations to Sound. On one hand, I think it should go in the top, in the top, in the flop 20. On one hand, I'm like, well, you, you, you can't, you can't make everyone wait this long mm. and do all that mad shit. And then and then come up with the second half of this record. And think that yeah. people aren't gonna be like are you taking the piss?
2: The petulance and the context. The amount of times that I personally have been stood in a field or sat in an arena or whatever and, and been waiting for Axel to come on and it's been one hour, two hours. In one case, I think it was two hours, 40 minutes. Uh, thankfully, I was sat down in an arena, thank fuck, and I was so pissed by the time they came on that yeah. I can barely the remember. The
0: prostitute it. sounded good. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs>
2: um i think when was that i think that was 2012 i can barely remember it to be honest um you know yeah yeah it's uh, i think what you said right at the beginning of this this should either be number one or number 56 is absolutely accurate and really chinese democracy is the kind of album we talk about when we review records um that you know make a mockery of the scoring system or whatsapp whatever chinese democracy makes a mockery of our entire league table because it is simultaneously the best thing that's ever happened to music and the worst thing that's ever happened to music in my opinion
0: i don't want to feel like i'm doing a cop out here but i would here's what i'm going to propose okay that we put chinese democracy as unranked on the list
2: Oh, controversial. Right. In that it
0: cannot be ranked. It cannot be ranked in this list. There is no place for it. There is literally... Because I'm looking at it and I don't know... I, 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 I don't even know... Normally you go, well, I'm looking around that kind of area. And I know you brought up kind of the Lulu's and the one hot minute and around that area
2: but that doesn't feel satisfactory either
0: that doesn't feel you can't like they chucked like lulu was you know put together fairly quickly and it's not a real metallica album and it's not on a real lou, lou reed album it's something else and people won't have that it's something else and it's mm. got that and that's why i'm always like well you know were axel to put this out as a as an axel rose solo album Mm. yes Mm. and it took him a couple of years to make yes then you would go hold on it's not a guns N' roses album leave it alone Mm. you'd be able to say that but this is a guns N' roses album or whatever guns N' roses were at that point yeah yeah, yeah. um one minute i mean again like i know you're not that keen on that record and i know i fucking (laughs) no 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 no, no
2: no i i think i think when that record's good i think it's great i think i think hmm. the best of that record uh, we're not going to agree on this but i think the best of that record doesn't reach the ambition like for sheer ambition alone the, the, one hot minute is not a particularly ambitious record is it it's it's when it's good it's no, very very no good. but it's
0: uh, you know like uh, you know it's just I, I i mean for me it's a fucking like I, it's one of someone it was one of my favorite albums growing up i still think it stands up really brilliantly it's got p on it whatever p's kind of funny for a minute but yeah like there's some weird shit on it there's some weird shit on it but like it's weird shit in the context of like oh they released an album put a little bit of weird shit on it and then you know the guy who wrote all the good riffs left and they became you know it did nothing for their their career really and then you can even look at shit like the transformed man or standing in the spotlight by dd king and go i mean it's just nuts in it this is like hilarious yeah. and yeah. mad and way way over the top Again, William Shatner recorded that in a day. Dee Dee King recorded it in a week. And then when you get right to the top, you look at shit like Broken Side and the Crazy like, you know, you can't compare this to Broken Side and the Crazy Frog in terms of actual music.
2: Absolutely not, no.
0: Absolutely not. But in terms of like what are you doing? It is like they made a load of money off the Crazy Frog. Mm-hmm. Broken Side were a thing for a little bit and then they kind of went away. Mm. Who cares? Mm. Mm. But this is like. When this started, you were the biggest band in the world. When it ended, you were watching people walk away from your headline set at the Reading Festival in their thousands and being kicked off stage. <laughs> like, overall, the entire story of Chinese democracy is one of total failure really in every sense, other than some of the music
2: i mean but i think i would argue that they would have been in that position uh whether chinese democracy had been, well maybe maybe not people w- well no i think they would have been in that position whether chinese, but chinese
0: democracy, democracy was is the is is the catalyst for all of this the recording and creation of Chinese democracy is the catalyst for the entirety of that 15, 16-year period of Guns N' Roses' entire career. It's all anyone talked about. Yeah. It's the reason they... If they'd have made Chinese democracy in 1998 and put it out, who fucking knows? What, there is an alternative It would have been a massive success. It would have been a massive success... Yeah. Yeah. And then they would have gone, right, okay, we still need... You know, say they got it together mm. while slashing, even even if it was just Matt Sorum, Duff, and Slash in the band. Mm. Mm. Kind of like it is now, maybe. Mm-hmm. And they'd have put Chinese Democracy out. so It would have sold 20 million records. Yep. People mm-hmm. would have gone, oh, we've been waiting four years for this. Load did all right. Load was five years. Yep. Yep. You know, people yep. shit on Load and say how bad it was. Still sold a load of fucking records, and Metallica was still Metallica. Mm-hmm. And if they'd have followed it up, you know five years later and then followed that up seven by that point everybody was taking eight, nine years to release a record mm, ACDC mm. were mm. fucking Metallica were um, Tool obviously mm. Ramstein. all those bands suddenly started taking ages to release records at this point you go, oh my god, it's. No, no one's going, oh, can you can, can it believe it's 13 years since Chinese democracy and they still haven't released another album? No, no one says that because that's kind of how long you expect to fucking wait for yeah. bands of their ilk at this yeah. point, especially when they get back together and, you know, they, they, they're reduced to the nostalgia circuit, which is ultimately what Guns N' Roses have been reduced to. And everything, you can trace everything back, every single thing that has happened to Guns N' Roses to belittle their you know, to, to kind of. For, during those fallow years. All of it centres around Chinese democracy and the lack of release of Chinese democracy and the faffing around with Chinese democracy, the fucking around, the sacking people and the getting in the studio and pissing away. You look at $13 million and you look at it and you go, for that? Yeah, you know what? Some of it's fucking great. Some of it is fucking great. It's not $13 million great.
1: It
2: isn't. And, and was it worth waiting for for 14 years? No. However the best songs on this record and actually i would say the majority of the record i would say two-thirds of this record is better than almost all of the songs on this entire list uh i think what you said I, yeah
0: i ag- i kind of agree yeah. i i do kind yeah. of agree but it's just like <laughs> you know that's almost not enough do you know what i, I mean? think it's still not enough
2: i think it's going to infuriate a lot of people but i do actually think that unranking it like just saying we just can't 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 rank it is is almost for an album this insane and this bonkers it almost is the 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 right thing to do um, number zero yeah. number zero <laughs>
0: yeah yeah Chinese democracy is zero on our list
2: yeah yeah I prefer unranked I'll say because zero doesn't doesn't indicate it. but but I do think um, I, I do think unranked is in a way the only satisfactory conclusion in some ways. It might not be satisfactory but it it is what it is. I don't know because I don't want to shit on something which is as singular and and individual as this and as unique as this but at the same time when you consider the context which you're right we do need to consider the context and I was sort of hoping that we could just ignore it but we can't
1: really. (laughs) We can't
2: i mean yeah you're like no no place feels satisfactory within the table no,
0: no
1: well, look
0: place. It, here's what i would say right is that it ain't going well, this is the search for the worst album ever made this is not the worst album ever made so Bye it's long. not going at, so it's not going at number one
1: nope.
0: right it, even even with all the context surrounding it i still i still would take it over broken side and crazy frog Yes, for all the kind oh of disappointments God, and for all the disappointments and blah, 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 blah. Please I mean, tell you
2: know, me you take it over the top 20.
0: Oh, oh yeah. I mean, I like. take it over. I take this. This is probably my fourth favorite album we've done. Cool. Cool.
2: Okay. That, I'll, I'll accept that. Yep.
0: I mean, I or maybe even third. I think One On Minute is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like Lulu. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. I don't care. Uh, I was thinking the one way ticket to hell and back by the darkness is probably my my third favorite um i
2: i i, th- I mean i'm still baffled that we've got one way ticket to hell at 55 uh, at the lowest of them but i i think this is this is far far i don't think it should be loads higher than where it is but I mean, yeah, as you say, One Hot Minute's a better record
0: than, than uh, One Way Ticket to Hell and Back. Well, One Hot I mean, Minute should have been the bottom one. I can kind of see I can kind of see why dark, The Darkness are above Lulu because, you know, obviously there's some fucking weird shit going on with that. Bob Dylan's Self-Portrait. I mean, I, I per- yeah. I mean, I would have One Hot Minute, Lulu, probably Chinese Democracy, and then One Way Ticket to Hell and Back would be my sort of top four. They're certainly the four albums that I like the most. And then it's probably Naomi Campbell, Baby Woman. Mm, mm,
1: fair enough. yeah, yeah.
0: And then all the good stuff from uh, Madonna, American Life, and <laughs> all <laughs> and right, we're not Babylon, looking for a Babylon Zoo. From B- Babylon Zoo and Babylon Zoo boys. Which Space is literally, Man. to be fair, that is only is only three songs. Um, yeah, I'm happy to put it. I I think you know it's it's not the wor- It's definitely not the worst album that we've done. So it's not going at number one. So we are trying to find the worst album and kind of putting it in somewhere. I'm not sure... I, I can't. I, I genuinely can't. Because every time I go, God, what a fucking disaster it was making that. And imagine being that big a band and being that... Just incompetent. Like, they're fucking... This is a time where Guns N' Roses were just insanely incompetent morons. Mm and or axel rose was and everyone surrounded them. you know you're spending 75 grand a month on stuff that you're not even using mm,
1: mm, mm. And you
0: were doing that for four years you yep. dumb idiots disgustingly you let sh-
1: wasteful.
0: <laughs> let's not you can't even clear up dog shit in a chicken coop <laughs> why have you got a chicken coop in the studio <laughs> like it's like come on lads this record should have come out four years ago what? and you're building a chicken coop <laughs> like and then a dog shitting in it and you no one's cleaning it up. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, what are you doing? And yeah. for them to do that and to go, <laughs> don't worry, I've written scraped. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. You're taking a piss. But then I probably would sit in that chicken coop. It, I would listen to There Was A Time in a dog shit filled chicken coop because so it's that I. fucking good. Yep. It's great. Yeah. You know? Yep. So the title I. track of this record is fucking great. Yep. But like, it's, it's the biggest seesaw of what the fuck and actually this is really good that we have ever had on the show it's not going to be number one so ergo let's just save ourselves the fucking
1: hassle uh, no, of I, arguing I the toss
2: over and it. if you're annoyed about that apologies I mean uh, uh, for this episode you can
0: surely understand it though right
2: yeah 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 yeah. and for this if episode if you're listening
0: we always always
2: want to hear your f- thoughts and feelings on like where we've ranked stuff or what, what or just the record that we were talking about if none of if people haven't listened to this record before and choose to listen to it i mean we've gone on for double the length of the record but if people choose to listen <laughs> to it it's fucking long enough off the back of this whatever your opinion i would love to hear it because i think it is a absolutely mad record which everyone should at least listen to once but fuck me it's it's bonkers the story behind it is fucking insane but yeah unranked well,
0: unranked it has to be unranked unfortunately um maybe if you would had merlin on he would have argued it a little bit more uh i can't i well i know for a fact that we uh, have something slightly less interesting next week um because i just pulled it out of the hat okay. uh but we're not straying too far away stylistically from guns and roses renfrew but you'll be glad to know after a few weeks of weird tv characters <laughs> mad massive bands this feels a bit more like, "Huh, this will be all right." Lenny Kravitz baptism, oh, in two thousand and four. Interesting. Uh, yes, I don't know anything about this record, although I have just brought the Wikipedia page up for it, and it's fifty-four minutes long. Thank you very much for fuck's sake. <laughs> uh, so it's too long. We can say that already. Um, and it is, uh, yes, yeah, Lenny Kravitz's seventh album. I don't like the cover very much. He looks like he's oh, melting. Dear. Weird. Yeah. Well. I mean, I wish we had time to go into that now, but we'll be doing it next week. I think we fucking exhausted. Well, we're just exhausted, I'm to absolutely be honest.
2: Shattered, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Uh, but there you go. That was Chinese democracy. It's been done. Um, we've peaked as a podcast. I think <laughs> uh, no, we have, we haven't, we haven't peaked until fucking the music for the elder by Kiss comes out, <laughs> or the self-titled suicide. T- that is in there, by the way self-titled suicide oh yeah someone, someone, was, someone asking was asking about that
2: weren't they yeah yeah
0: yeah. It it's was, in there yeah. don't worry yeah. it is in there that'll be much easier <laughs> mm. much easier uh, all right cool thank you very much for listening everyone i hope you aren't too pissed off that we made you wait two and a half hours and just went nah, now <laughs> <Fuck it." laughs> but that is
2: but that is that is completely appropriate to this record isn't it, it is
0: yeah <laughs> it is all right cool anyway see you next week for some lenny kravitz